You're about to witness a seismic event. Talk brunch where the geeks are all baby faces. Now, let the party begin. Live, start the countdown. Three, two, one. What's up, fellow bunchers? Welcome to Talk Brunch Live. December 9th, 2019. I'm your host as always, Rick Dara, a.k.a. Captain Brunch, and this is episode 355. Co-piloting the brunch ship with me as always is Mr. Destin Frazier. Welcome one and all to Talk Brunch. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't that, know what happened. Maybe, maybe I ran way. out of time. I don't know what went wrong. Something. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know, spoiler alert. That's the way Raw went off the air. They kept it super, super classy because USA couldn't wait to get rid of them any more than we could, quite frankly. I think that's what went down there. You know, you know what really happened? We got Sopranos. Mm-hmm. By the way, already written down. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight we're going to discuss the new NWO induction into the wwe class of 2020 hall of fame as well as batista on his way in uh we're gonna go into the new class that's coming into the performance center rvd being salty more dana brooke batista goodness as well as ach being crazy aw's ratings versus nxt's raws versus smackdowns as well as what's happening with WWE backstage, John Morrison's future in the WWE universe, CM Punk's snarky remarks, Matt and Rebby welcoming children into the world, and various other things. That being said, I'm glad you all hung in here for this entire event. Shout out to everyone who's been in the chat room the entire night, including Kula Ice, Stasis Dreams, Joe Woko, Six Slayer, Willie V2, Emang, and also all of those currently listening to the live broadcast over at TalkBrunch.com, and of course the rest of you who are listening on demand via iTunes, Stitcher, and all other popular podcatcher apps. We're available on every major digital audio provider, including SoundCloud. Just search TalkBrunch, and you can visit TalkBrunch.com for that, plus all social media links, as well as replays of the content, or you could just tell your Alexa to play the TalkBrunch podcast. So now we're going to go into this week's story rundown. Also, Mark Seven One Zero now joining us in the chat room. How's it going, buddy? That's really good. Yeah, hashtag he made it. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it'll be the greatest segue of the whole night. He's already going into the Hall of Fame. So let's talk about another other thing. But he's probably going to be going in pretty soon. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I've been waiting on that one all week. <sighs> oh, Batista. <laughs> so last week, let's go. Let's talk a little bit about last week. Last week, I kind of avoided the story and it wasn't because I, I, I didn't want to go into the Batista stuff. It's just that we had so many better things to talk about. I don't want to make this like a Wendy Williams show, you know. But it has become a popular thing so much that even WWE's tried to capitalize on the popularity of the stuff going on. Anna, I don't know. What are you what are your thoughts in regards to this? Do you think this is that, a work? Do you think it's a shoot? I, I don't know. Like <laughs> it's rare that I just don't know. Because like if it's a work, holy shit, they are selling me. If it's a shoot, oh boy. That's uh that's gonna be quite the mismatch. 
Well, Fox was lucky enough. We were fortunate for Fox to provide us some narrative that I want to let you guys hear. They have narrative for the tweet, so it's almost lucky that I didn't go into them uh, last week, because now you get it as a treat. The following presentation is rated TVMA and is based off real-life tweets. Seriously, viewer discretion is advised. Sup? Oh, not much. You? You know, just standing around with my arms up. I see you've been getting those squats in. I mean, I do work out. You know a good gym? I do, actually. Just so happens that I have my own gym. Hashtag Lion's Den, two squat racks. Here it is. It also has an upstairs with a cage and mats as well. Ever done jujitsu? It sounds like a date. Also, I'm sure you can teach me a couple of things I can use in the ring. Also, the squat racks, too. I'll send you my number. So, for our conversation, I've been in deep thought about your question, which you can tell from a photo that I've entitled... Me in deep thought about Dana's question. And the answer is yes. You can call me Daddy. Okay, Daddy. Now for my B Day wish, and you have one hour until you know. So I'm expecting that video. Oh, Dave, you make me smile and blush. Can't wait to see you. <laughs> okay. That was, uh, all right. (laughs) (laughs) The narrative made a thousand times funnier than it was. Hey, all right, Stasis Fox is better at putting this together than WWE. Oh, God. There's rumors, and we talked about it before, that this whole thing is being set up for Fox to eventually buy WWE. And it's funny how much more they're producing and creating their own stuff. You never know. Maybe it'll be in better hands when you're seeing stuff like this. <laughs> Mark goes where they found the old porn music. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that I can just see it now. But he's gonna show up at Daniel's house with a pizza. That was weird as hell, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that was um. Oh my god. They can't be working fans, right? I hope not. That wow. Yeah, really weird stuff going on there. But yeah, he's going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, we might not necessarily like his wrestling work, but I mean, for his accolades, it's earned for sure. It's earned because he was part of an era in wrestling. I guess what would it be called? The Ruthless Aggression Era, I believe, is where he would be positioned. So he was in the Ruthless Aggression Era with Cena and... Again, he's he's part of Cornette's last class of OVW. Remember, they they used to the developmental used to be called OVW, and then Cornette did that shit where he slapped Santino, and uh, that changed everything. They pretty much dropped the OVW name. They went with FCW. FCW eventually sort of merged into becoming what NXT is now. But he was in the last class of OVW, which I have to say, as much as NXT takes credit for raising stars of uh, tomorrow and everything, if you look at that last class of OVW. That had Batista in it, it had John Cena in it, it had Shelton Benjamin and Brock Lesnar in it. It had Randy Orton in it. It had Rico in it. I mean, maybe that's not the best example, but it did have Rico in it too. A lot of good talent in there. Yeah. You know, and those are guys that not only became stars, I I, I dare to say at this point, and who knows what will happen in the future, but as of this moment, those are the last big stars. Came out of Cornette's OVW developmental. So, oh um, yeah, for sure. So Batista was part of that. He was part of the the Ruthless Aggression era. And uh, 
you know, he did have title reigns. He was with Triple H. He was a top guy for a while. And as much as there might be people who are critical of it now, and I've said this on here many times in the past, during the era that Batista was part of, people weren't as, uh, I don't even know what the term is I want to use. They weren't as conscious of, of in-ring work as they are now. Not the yeah. casual demographic. Like people were cool, whatever. You know what I mean? And you can't blame them because they were raised on Hogan and on, uh, on an era where it didn't matter that the in-ring work wasn't as prominent, at least not in WWF. And, and WCW was different. They did focus on it more and there were places that did. But at the time, that was the smallest part of the emphasis was the in-ring work. Yeah, that, you could kind of build your whole character on only like a handful of moves. That being said, like I said on here last week, the radicals, Benoit, Malenko, Guerrero, Saturn, are part of the people who kind of pioneered during the Attitude Era, adding a technical touch of wrestling. Uh, Owen was already here, but there wasn't really many people from the world. Where there were some people, and then a lot of them weren't working technical. But they added that technical aspect. That being said, although it happened and during that era, it became a thing where only people who at that point were already appreciating that style of wrestling appreciated it. Everyone else just saw it as more wrestling. You know, they couldn't distinguish an arm drag from a, you know, drop toe hold or whatever. They're just watching wrestling. That's how some people watch it. They don't really care, which is fine. You know what I mean? You don't have to know every single thing and every single uh, move or whatever is going on. But that being said, uh, so you kept that casual base going out of the attitude ever going into the ruthless aggression ever. And those people um, still were super high on Batista. I remember because I was on the opposite side of the field where it was just like, oh, this guy who looks like he should work doesn't and can't. And I still remain that. And I get it, you know, they'll tell you he's a big guy. He wants to work like a big man, but it just doesn't look that good, man. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna, you know, he seems like a nice guy and everything, but you know, fuck it. It's a wrestling show. We're here to talk about it. To me, he doesn't look that good. And the reason why I feel like it kind of hit me more than most people watching at the time was because when I first started seeing him come out and even seeing him work in OVW, like I expected it to eventually look good. It looked like it should. Doesn't he look like he should kick like a lot of ass? You know, yeah. what I mean? like doesn't like if you look at his physique, take personality or whatever, skinny jeans or whatever flaws you have against him aside. Physique wise, doesn't he look like when he comes out like there's a lot of ass to be kicked? You know, what I mean, like if you didn't already know his in ring work, it's like with Brock Lesnar, whether you like him or hate him, you know, when he comes out that there's going to be a level of ass whipping and bad things are going to happen. It's going to look crazy. You may not like it. But you know that physically it's going to look bananas when he gets his hand oh, whoever. Yeah. No matter who it is, you know, oh, my God. Like, you almost cringe when he gets him. Like, oh, my God, he got him. You know, Batista looks like that should happen, right? But think about in your memories. When was the last time Batista's got a hold of somebody and it really looked that terrible? Because the, his his actual work in offense isn't that good. I mean, the time I can isolate was when he beat up Rey Mysterio. When, that, when, him, when him and Rey were a tag team and that broke up because he got tired of losing. He he kicked his ass and threw him yeah. into the, the the thing and every you know that whole. But I mean, in ring, he was pretty much just a spine buster and a sit out power bomb. All the other yeah, offense that was, that was, that was just was just <laughs> hitting the ropes and running shoulder blocks. Really, he was a cool looking spine, and that's what frustrated me more. You know, it's cool the way he recoils up on one leg on one boot after he spine busters you down like he bounced off that fucking thing and the the power bomb the coolest part about it is seeing a guy that size sit down with a power bomb and instead of getting up like most people does he rolls back and stands up you know what i mean which that makes it look exactly. cool 
But then when you look at it, aside from that, which is a signature and a finisher, which, hell, you're a professional wrestler. It's your job to have a good signature and finisher. That's literally what ends it on a TV ending style match. But what was the in-ring work that really made you ever look at his matches and go, wow, that isn't that was good. That was cool. Like, I like when he does. Nothing really. Like, can you, you know, and I I know, again, I'll be the first to say wrestling isn't about the moves. But if we were going to judge his body of work, can you really name um, some good spots, some good Batista spots that you like to see? (laughs) Yeah, past the... uh... The Spally Buster and the Batista bomb, that was it. That was literally it. He was a signature and a finisher, you know? And, but people bought it at the time. And I get why they did, because it was packaged really well. The, and I've said this for years, that the Batista gimmick is cool. I don't hate the gimmick. This is one of those rare cases where I think the gimmick's so cool that sometimes it's all right. You know, I think a guy coming out like that, he's mean and shit. His music is cool. You know, he does the machine gun thing and the pyro goes off and he does like the grenade at the end. Comes in the ring looking all intimidating and shit. You know, that's awesome. That's what wrestling is. That's wrestling right there. It doesn't get more wrestling than the way that guy comes out. You know, but it's like, it's just a shame that like it, it ends there. You know, I look at yeah. people who, who aren't wrestlers, people who are fans. You know, I look at people that are wrestlers that if they had physiques like that, they would want to keep doing shit, you know what I mean? They'd want to come up with new shit all the time. If you, if most people nowadays, if you look at the Ospreys and the Ricochets of the world, you know, taking nothing away from them physique-wise, but if they had the mentality, if Batista had the mentality like that, he would just be, would have always been inventing new shit. You know what I mean? Or just doing new stuff or being interesting. And then if we say wrestling's not about the moves and then we say it's about the, uh, you know, just the entertainment. What has he really done that's entertained you over the, over the years? Like, can you name me your favorite Batista? Cause so, sometimes we'll reminisce on here and we'll bring up like old segments of The Rock or, or Mick Foley or, or, or whoever. Just remember when this, this was crazy. Even JBL with the border thing. We'll bring up something. Can you tell me like a, an interesting thing with Batista that you saw that you were like, uh, wow, that was really, I got to go back and see it again. Like something that really, besides the raid thing, which I've already brought up like twice. You know, it's kind of funny. I was thinking about when you brought up the Wraith and we were talking about like convincing ass whoopings. There's one that always kind of stuck out to me, but I think it's because it was was when I actually started really watching Batista. It was during Evolution. Okay. I don't know if you remember this. It was when he was feuding with uh, Shawn Michaels. And there was that angle where I guess it was after a match, like he choked Shawn and Shawn's, I guess Shawn had like a blood packet or something. And like he started coughing up blood and shit, and I'm just like, is this like a Friday the 13th kill? What kind of shit is this? Like, yeah, I guess I, I I faintly remember that, so I know what you're talking about. And that was more. And the thing about it is, when you think about it, that was that more was Michael more Selling because of Sean. That was more Michael Selling. You see what I mean? It was more. Batista just kind of had to be then put his arms around somebody's throat. You know, OJ Simpson could a, do a that. A lot of stuff like that was more with uh with a Michael Selling, like the whole thing with uh Kane in the chair. Yeah, look at that. Mark seven one eight more than anything remembers when he boned Molina. <laughs> Bone Melina and then freaking beat up Eminem afterwards. Oh shit! You see what I mean? Everybody knows our favorite though when he uh, when he quit after he got beat by John. Said, oh, I quit. That to me is the one promo I remember his personality from more than any other promo. And that's sad. Is is his last day when he was in a fucking wheelchair with like a cast and you know he was all beat up from the following one. Was it John Cena? Like a him. He he gave him an nephew off of that thing, right? It was like he yeah, off, of the, off of the car through the stage. Yeah, and then like the next day he came on, he just quit all shitty. That's like the most personality he showed in his entire run. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like, I'm just taking nothing away from the guy. He makes a great Drax and, you know, he did manage to pop the fans. But for me personally, like, I just felt like it was wasted potential. Like, he never really had good matches. And then when he came back his last few runs, uh, none of that worked either. 
You know, the, the, the blue jeans were weird. Uh, the run was weird. The, the Daniel Bryan thing kind of got directly in the way of it. And that was, and that was getting back to my original point. Now this Batista came back to fans who have been awoken to wrestling. It wasn't like years ago where it was like they were just used to the signatures and the finishers. Now they had fans who now understood thanks to the CM Punk promo on the ramp and the Daniel Bryan, yes, movement and the run and everything and being aware of Ring of Honor in New Japan. You couldn't come back and have a spine buster and a sit out power bomb and, and skinny jeans especially you know i think of when we're talking about big men well we got guys like uh keith lee and dijak who they have a thousand things in their arsenal keep coming up with more stuff and then they have their signature and finisher yeah and they're really dude i was gonna wait to nxt to talk about but keith lee is a perfect example that guy is like nuclear over like holy <laughs> shit he's like one of the most over people in the world right now i don't i wouldn't even know i don't even know what to do with that much over like he he's That's, like it's, oozing it's, charisma right now frightening level of over right now you know but, but you see what i mean and and it's like his his in-ring works the character works he's, he's it's just like everything about the way he is works if he could keep the momentum he has right now he could be a Hall of Famer, and you wouldn't be on here talking about can you remember any great Keith Lee matches? He's already You'd had be several. Struggling to pick one because he's already had several, and he's already super over here. He has great personality. He popped the fans, you know. It's you see what I mean? Yeah. Like the fans. Like I could like I, you could you could kill that. You could come up with about seven or eight top tens of Keith Lee moments, and you'd still miss stuff. You know, and he didn't have to look like he was chiseled. He didn't have to have, like, a super action figure-looking physique. He just has a yeah. big guy physique, and it worked. And that and that's, I think, that what we're going into here when, when it comes to guys like Batista. I would give him credit for going into the Hall of Fame the same way that I give any other old-school wrestler. And I don't mean from the... Uh, from the ruthless aggression. I mean, from the eighties, I give him credit for going into the hall of the fame, the way that I give any old school wrestler that, that just did the bare minimum to get into the wrestle wise. I'm talking to get into the uh, yeah. hall of fame. I can't look at him as a, and he did it in an era where people accepted it and they popped and they looked forward to it. And he was able to be a draw. So good for him. So based on the wrestling rules, sure. You were around before the fans were woken to what was going on. And they, they loved you as Batista, just the guy you were. I remember Bobby Lashley's first run when he was ECW champion. It was the same shit. I was literally pulling hair out of my skull. I couldn't, I, I liked TNA way better back then. Fans were 100% fine with the story, the whole central story of the WWE being about Bobby Lashley, Vince McMahon, Donald Trump, and Umaga. Think about that for a minute. I'm going to rewind and say oh that one more time. God. There was an era where Bobby Lashley, Umaga, Vince McMahon, and Donald Trump were the top thing. And everyone was fine with it. And they were most fine with Bobby Lashley. They were most fine. And I remember thinking that that was the point. That's the point. I'll, I'll always say that there's a limit as much as I defend WWE. Um, that was a point where I was like, you know what? I literally don't have any reason to be here. Like... The fans are cool. <laughs> like the fans are cool with this. Everybody's cool with this, but me. So I'm out. You know, when they tell you if you don't like something, you know, don't watch it. That was a point where it wasn't like now where we all kind of unitedly want better. Back then, people were okay with Batista and Lashley and the shitty matches. So it was just a yeah. thing where it's like this is no longer my thing. I'm not going to criticize it. I'm just gone. Goodbye. And uh, I watched TNA. I admit proudly I watched TNA. And anyone, and at the time, people like me, I was on that side of the spectrum. People who would be like, oh, you're, you're watching TNA and you're watching that shit. And I would try to encourage people to watch it. You know what? Flash forward now, man. I was watching AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels and Bobby Roode and the Young Bucks. You know what I mean? I was watching freaking the Motor City Machine Guns. And all these other guys that have now come up through the ranks. And I was a hundred percent fine. I didn't miss this shitty place at all. 
when they went. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. It wasn't like now with AEW where they're constantly thinking about. I swear to you, and there's no way I could even tangibly pr- prove this. When TNA had those guys, I never even thought about what was happening in WWE for a point. Sure, I would tune in for the big four and the pay-per-views like anyone, but I remember, and thanks to the network, I've been tormented with being caught up. But there, during, there was an era there where I couldn't be bothered. They were like a side attraction. And no one likes to admit that, you know, and uh, but there was a point where people accepted the garbage as well. There was a point when people were OK with this. So it's kind of like Batista was all right during that era and that era only as far as my yeah. opinion goes. And I don't mean it disrespectful, even if it sounds shitty. But I mean, again, I, mean, I can't that... think of many good Batista matches, man. I don't have many good Batista memories. Yeah, you know? I, yeah there's, there's hardly any really out there when you think about it, you know, and I should have because he looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He looks cool. There should be a lot of cool things that happen. Yeah, I mean, congratulations at the end of the day. But it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. You definitely um pick the right era to show up in for sure. <laughs> yeah, we're not exactly in the business of inducting people for their in ring work into the Hall of Fame this class because then the NWL get inducted, and I get it. I get it. This is crazy. The NWL, the people that literally are responsible for the reason they might not have even been the WWE Hall of Fame right now, are being inducted into the Hall of Fame. The direct competitors, if it wasn't for the NWO and that storyline, I don't think that there would have been a Monday Night War. That's what really made people have to decide to tune in. They wanted to see Hogan turn heel and these guys who use Razor Ramon and Diesel who are now here and this crazy, we've never seen anything like that before. They almost put this fucking company down. And now they're in their Hall of Fame. And not in an AEW Wednesday Night War sort of way. They almost put this whole thing down. They came really close to putting this shit down. They were, they, they beat them how many weeks? I forget how many weeks. 82. Look at that. 82 weeks. Yeah. How did I forget that with Bishop's podcast? 82 weeks of them kicking the shit out of Raw. Not an extreme. It wasn't like it was back back and forth. It was just like. 82 ass, simultaneous ass whoopings. The NWO had a bigger part to do with that than Goldberg. Goldberg came, by the time Goldberg came, this was already in full play. They wouldn't have, no, no one would have been there to tune into Goldberg if it wasn't for them already being on that channel because of the NWO. And Sting, of course, I'm not going to take it away from Flair and Sting, but I'm saying for that Monday Night War, what really ignited it was that NWO. So I get it. Whether or not you have a Hogan who, obviously not the most technically sound guy <laughs> to say the least nash who uh you know and gimmick was big sexy out of out of gimmick they called him big lazy and then when he came to wwe he was torn quality you know but you know what i i like nash in a different way from the way i liked batista and i know it's not fair everyone has their, their differences that's why it's wrestling and opinions but for me even though nash was kind of lazy with his in-ring work he looked more like he did enough of the bare minimum to be convincing doing it his you know and yeah. i've heard i've heard cornet criticize him and say that what does nash really have he has his big boot his knees in the corner and he even used his flicking of the hair back the way he flips his hair back after he leaves the corner as one of his spots like he was really grasping at straws <laughs> you know like he had just a few moves but you know the power first of all the power bomb is convincing because at a certain height it no longer looks like you're taking a power bomb it looks like you're going on a journey and Nash like, is one of the people who hits that height where it's like, yeah, that well, is a shitty power bomb. He's like, wait, he doesn't even come down with the person like a traditional power bomb. He gets them to the peak by flipping them up and then he just releases them and walks away. 
That, like that's why you throw make the them, net. Like somebody the jackknife look like it sucks so bad. He got you to the very top and then just kind of let you down. It looks like someone alley ooping their garbage into a dumpster. The way he does that shit, the person just twirling out of control and hitting the ground. That's that's. You know awesome. power bomb kind of reminds me a little bit of Nash's uh, Fale's bad luck bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he doesn't one. drop you. He just kind of throws you. The only let, difference is Fale throws you up. It's a double team. You know, it's him and gravity. We're both working together, you know. That's the way that you know. That's a cool looking thing. Nash that may may be limited in his moveset, but he does just enough. And the gimmick is way more of a sell to me. I remember when I I used to like the Diesel stuff a lot. Like I remember when I was younger and I used to really dig like just the whole way he came out. And I believed that this guy was a tough dude. You know, he looked like a tough, take no shit guy. And uh, you know, the whole two dudes with him and Shawn Michaels and everything. It was a great gimmick and uh. Uh, these guys all on both brands were responsible for uh, changing the business. It's interesting that they induct them as the NWO, like I said. And of course you got, uh, you got Scott Hall, actually probably the best wrestler out of everyone who's been in the click or the NWO. Isn't it ironic? You look at this group of guys that are all super over. I mean, um, if we're going to count the click, then obviously you're going to count Shawn Michaels and Triple H. But if you weren't to have those guys, you know, you, yeah, Razor, Razor's up there. Make, Razor's, I never thought about that. Yeah, like Razor's up there when it comes to really, really good wrestlers, not just a guy with a gimmick. Like Razor is up there, like really high. You know what I mean? There is a guy who can have a match. His demons and everything might have slowed that down. But if you look at that man in his prime and the matches he was having, there is a man who knows how to have a good match. If you it were to give killer. one of them that prize out of this NWO incarnation, it would be Scott Hall by far. His actual technical wrestler. I believe he was also an amateur wrestler, right? I believe so. Which which would make sense. I could be wrong. Don't call me on that. But you know, you got a guy who you can see in his in his body of work. Very impressive. You know, so and like Sh- that makes Nash what like a three time Hall of Famer now. Yeah, I guess so. Look at yeah, because he got him by himself. The click went in last year, and now he's going on with the NWO. Yeah, I think he's the first three-timer. Yeah, and then you got uh, Sean Waltman. Yeah, who, uh, I miss a Sean two-time. I don't think that he gets enough credit either, man. You know what I mean? He doesn't. I don't think he gets enough credit either. Sean Waltman, X-Pac, one, two, three, kick, call him what you will. That dude, his matches are always really good. He's very He's athletic. always been talented, no matter what... Uh, no, no matter what, what, what way he's been in, he's always been fantastic. So Mark asked if Conan, Scott Norton, and Virgil are also going in oh, with the end of it. So you see, this is the thing here. WWE isn't going to count the WCW version of NWO if I know them. I don't think no, you're going to see... I believe the version that's going in is the WWE I don't, version. I don't think the Disco Inferno is going to be giving an NWO speech... You know, like and there became a point where everyone was in the NWO. Lashley could have been in the NWO back then. That's how bad it was. Actually, I might have been pushing it a little bit with that yeah. one, but but you know what I mean. I don't think you're gonna get to see that NWO. Not Virgil. Nobody's gonna go. They, they literally have decided. If you look at the picture, if you look at the graphic that was going around, which I don't know, why I don't have it here in front of me, but um, it's it's the regular guys. It's not even Big Show. It's that it's that first version of the of uh, the NWO that showed up in the WWE. Yeah. You know. when, it, when it was like what's now today like a large size faction was like what three four people yeah brian alvarez is speculating that the reason the big show isn't in there as the giant because i believe wasn't he like the fourth or fifth member the reason he's not in there is because uh they probably want to induct him as the big show his first actual induction before they would do it and unfortunately it doesn't go into sync with this but the but the giant is a big part of it he's not even going to be in it you think that they're going to put scott and fucking norton right no, no 
don't even remember him. <laughs> I forgot he was in the NWOT. How could you forget? He was one of the job in the. He, he, remember that once they 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 made that merger, Wolfpack NWO, the Finger Point of Doom, all the top guys now emerged, and then uh, they they made that other NWO that was that was led by Virgil and uh Virgil and Stevie Ray. That, be, oh, that became the white brand. They should. It's, it's funny that the white brand was so crap by the end. <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ. You know that those were the leaders of it. And we had the Jeff Jarrett brand. Remember that when Jeff Jarrett became the leader of the. I NWO? remember that. You know why? Because you were watching The Rock in Austin on the on the uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the on like the WrestleMania 17 road. You know, oh, while, while, while fucking uh, Time Warner was canceling wrestling over on the net on the Turner oh, network. God. You know. No one was watching. I unfortunately was watching it sometimes. Like I would sometimes out of habit go on a commercial and see it. And then, you know, it was, it was no good. There was no, no way. So no, these NWOs that are going in are going to be the good, the good NWO. Not all these other crazy NWOs. No LWO either. You guys remember the LWO? Oh, I don't remember that. I remember the BWO, but I don't remember the LWO. Holy shit. That's, oh God, I'm scared. Yeah, they 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 went up against the NWO. It was it was Eddie Stable. It was the Latin World Order, and like the it was, oh my god, it had the same logo as the the NWO, but instead of black and white, it was the the Mexican flag colors, and it had, <laughs> uh, and and they took all of the cruiserweights of the entire WCW, and they basically made them into a stable, and it had everybody in it, every single person that what you can think of. Ray Ray was in it, and everything. I think Ray was the last one, if I recall. My memory might serve me bad. But even after they disbanded, Ray kept his LWO shirt, and that caused the NWO to beat the fuck out of him to take the shirt off because they were trying to disband that stable. Um, was this like was this maskless Ray, or do we not talk about that Ray? Uh, was it maskless Ray? No, 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 not yet. Maskless Ray didn't come until yeah. later. I, I know mas- I know uh, maskless Ray wrestled on that last Nitro, but. Yeah, I can't believe you don't remember the the LWO. Holy shit, that was that was an interesting <laughs> stable. Holy shit! You should look them up. See if we could get a list of all their members. Oh god, give me a second. I might do it. Oh god, you'll be, be surprised how many people were in the LWO, man. Yeah, I'm that's see. amazing. Someone made a custom Tron of them here. Let me see if I could get that up on the screen. Because okay. maybe we'll see who they are on the custom Tron that this guy made. I don't know whose channel this is, but. I love how like I look it up and I don't see and it, it, it won't even show me like LWO just nothing but NWO. That's amazing. Okay, let me see. If I can... <laughs> this is I guess WCW fan forever. This is a video. I figure someone's video package would be good to uh to at least somewhat show them. There are people who who don't give a shit about this. They're like I don't we don't care who they are or they do know who they are, so they care even less. So, so, so right now they're looking for my Twitter to give me he. Oh, fuck you! Don't know who they are. Yeah, Dustin's messing up the, the the rhythm of the show. Look, all right. <laughs> yeah, you got to go back onto the network. We're gonna come back next week with the. We'll look for the date of where that the nitros where it starts, so that uh, people can go and experience it for themselves. I forget how you know some of these things don't come to light right away. You know. Okay, oh let's, my god! You don't have any members' names yet. Uh, it it won't pull up LWO. Like I go, I try LWO, and it pulls up straight to NWO. All right. Well, let's look at this video. This this might show us a little bit more. I don't remember all of them, but you know, it had to lucha those. Look at the cruiser race that were there. Booby and psychosis and Ray. La raza. La parka.
So next uh, year, I think maybe them for the Hall of Famer. Hey, fuck it. Let's do it. We, we for, for some reason, freaking Goldberg's in there. So, I mean, hey. Eddie will get his second ring. And uh, Hoovy yeah. will get his first. Then Chavo <laughs> will be in as well. Chavo will be in with his uncle. Yeah, look at that. What do you guys think? The LWO? Should the days of a spot? Like I said, when, when Goldberg got in at that point, anybody can get in. There were people on that video that I forgot the damn names of. They were so old. You too? Yeah, that was the Eddie WCW theme, wasn't it? That sounded oh, like Eddie's WCW theme. I don't know. It might have somewhat been a little changed for the uh, LW, but I more or less remember Eddie's theme sounding something like that. Because I remember in WWE when Chavo came, they had like an alternate version of that for his music. Like when he first showed up. Okay, that's different. Yeah, I believe you're you're right. They they did give Chavo yeah. Eddie's original. That, that was before like that big heel turn against Eddie. That that wanted to be in, um that was his music before then. Because I remember the first time I'm almost kind of it's almost kind of funny. It was the first time I saw Chavo. I knew the name, but I it's like see him see him until that uh, that parking lot brawl with Cena. Yeah, and you know what, Eddie? I know he was over in WWE and they did a lot with him. My one complaint is he became too cartoony. Yeah, but then again, I guess I almost feel like. In their defense, Eddie did like to have fun. So I feel like that had to be a little bit of Eddie, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit. You know, it was a lot of his I, I think that's but... why I don't give him as much for it. Because, like, yeah, Eddie was dead serious back in WCW. But then again, Eddie has a little, Eddie has a com- comedic side to him. So I think in WWE, they let him explore that a little bit more. But just, I just kind of wish there was a little bit more of a balance. It kind of felt like it was never not funny and some of my favorite eddie moments didn't have any comedy in him you know like yeah he's funny sure a lot of people could be funny you know if i wanted to see that go to the fucking circus you know but really (laughs) you know let's keep in mind that we're talking about someone who and i've said many times that he had my favorite match of all time you know versus malenko i i don't take that lightly when i say that and uh i didn't there was no comedy old wrestlers are too old for coming back yeah i can agree with you there geek master they need to stay uh, retired. But yet we had Goldberg as Universal Champion, so yeah, that's uh, I'll never forgive him for that, so yeah. <laughs> you hate it that much, huh? Oh, I have no idea. And it's even worse because it was against Kevin Owens, who is probably one of the best, one of the best, I give my top 10 when it comes to like best wrestlers I've watched. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's why it hurts the most because I was like, I've seen this man some of our ladder wars, cage matches. You mean to tell me a spear and a jackhammer from this old fuck took him out? Yeah. Well, there you have some Hall of Fame information there. Who else is? I mean, I can't even imagine or even ask you to predict who the hell else you think is going to be in this year's Hall of Fame. It's hard to say. The headliner is always announced last, right? The headliner sometimes first. But then again, as of late, the last few years, they've been kind of mixing it up. I want to see Kane go in this year because Kane has been overdue for that Hall of Fame spot. Hmm. You might have something there. And you don't even have to put and you don't even have to put him and Taker in as a team. Put him in separately. Taker. One of the most well-known Kane moments he was against Taker when he showed up uh, at the cell. Taker? Do you think Taker would go in this year? Uh, it, I mean, 
I know they have that whole little lifetime contract thing, but it's like he should have been in a long time ago. I'd like to see both of them go in. That would be cool to see them, and not and not even like as a brother of destruction, just literally two separate entries. Because I feel like at this point you could put Taker in at any time, but you do need to hurry up and put him in. This this I think if I had to make a prediction, and I could be wrong, this year I think will be Undertaker's year being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Undertaker throughout our lives hasn't been present outside of kayfabe very often if you really even look at it uh owen hart died and when they were cutting to the backstage if you guys remember the roar where they paid tribute it would cut backstage between matches to different people telling owen hart stories and they were breaking down you know what i mean like these were people crying on air jeff jarrett um was doing a triple h was crying i mean you can guys can go and look this up these people were were in deep mourning you know, during this. And it was, yeah. uh, you know, it was a really, really sad thing. No sign of Undertaker, who, you know, was very close with these people, was a locker room leader. And uh, that's because at the end of the day, uh, you can't really do too much. And I think when he did come out, if he did come out, I don't remember, but he might have just done a tribute where, you know, like the Undertaker does, just come out. Um, yeah, same thing with uh, Paul Bear. He did just like an Undertaker-style tribute. That might be the one I'm remembering, and he might have not even come out at all on the Owen one. But but that being said, I think part of the reason why Undertaker's induction into the Hall of Fame was so late, aside from him still being an active wrestler, is because the curtain's never been pulled out from the act. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it would be something that they'd probably want to ease the fans into. And I feel that's happened this year now that he did the Stone Cold podcast. Like, we're starting to see The Undertaker be a regular guy, talking regular the way we've seen other people do. We're we're seeing Mark Calloway. Right. Now a lot more. There's really no reason not to see him in the Hall of Fame, give a Hall of Fame speech, and speak like a regular guy now. Because it's happening now. The guy has a Twitter. He talks regular. It's time. You know what I mean? It's time for him to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, he's been here forever. 1990, what was it? 1991, I think that was the Survivor Series he showed up. Mm-hmm. Like it's it it's overdue. Yeah. So there's somebody who I would like to see. What about Big Show too? Big Show's been overdue for it for a while. Yeah. It's definitely I mean, possible. At this point, it looks like his in ring career is pretty much done. Because I mean, there's really never been much talk as of late of him coming back. But you know, he does kind of make the he does still work with the company in a way. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's definitely someone who who I can see in that situation. You know. But lately, and I said this years ago on here, I said eventually they're going to have to start really grasping because they're gonna, they've, they've, they've inducted so many people into the Hall of Fame that you run out of people to induct. Yeah. You know? I feel like when it comes to, like, the people we've named, you're going to have to spread those out, like, have, like, maybe one of those names each year to keep it at least a little bit fresh and at least extend that time before they have to start reaching for the straws. And Yeah. No, Definitely. It's uh, it's an interesting time, though, because they clearly want to have a good Hall of Fame this year of all, because with the Fox deal and with all of the new eyes on them, uh, the last thing that you would want is to not be able to draw something here. Exactly. So, And, you know, they usually do. I don't know who gets it, if it's going to be Fox or the USA Network, but there's a good question no one's asked. Is it still USA who's going to get the little mini version of the Hall of Fame? Yeah, yeah. that's something I never thought about. Because the network is is new to giving us the whole like three hour thing, but the USA has always given like the the very small compressed yeah, version. They give us like an hour, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely something to think about. 
Yeah, for sure. But I mean, congrats on the entrance so far. I can't wait to see who's going to be next. Mm-hmm. All right, well, what else do we got going on here in the world of Razlin? Oh, God. Uh, we, we might as well get him out of the way since the wrestling world's got him out of the way. Okay. Mr. Uh, Jordan Miles. Jordan Miles, yeah. You because can... I refuse to call him ACH. <laughs> no, come on. I can't. I mean, he was ACH first. You know, if the guy doesn't want yeah. to be called on. Now he's super ACH because he's, uh, I don't know, he's, he's ascended to the next level. <laughs> no, I'm not sure exactly how it goes or how it works. <laughs> you linked me to something with him a minute ago, right? Do, do we need this? What is yeah, this? Um, basically he's been having that whole, uh, I guess uh, Shad Gaspard finally jumped in oh, on wait, everything wait. he's been talking about. Yeah, don't start there. Don't start yeah. there. Oh, oh, yeah, but that's a yeah, part okay. of it was when we get to that part. Okay, cool. So I'll wait. I'll wait there, and then you have to give me a minute to bring that link up. Let me get the uh, let me bring up the ACH shit that I have here. Okay, so a uh, couple things happen with uh, ACH. The first thing was uh it was reported that he signed with MLW and uh, MLW put out a release. They put out like a release announcement or rather a, a debut announcement saying MLW is about to get super fresh off the su- surprise return last night at MLW's Opera Cup event. Major League Wrestling today confirmed the return of ACH to the organization. And uh, yeah, they basically are plugging this guy. And uh, after these guys do that, he tweets out. And he says, I hate pro wrestling. I hate you shitty fans that think you know it all. More importantly, I hate the snakes in this industry. None of y'all would never say anything about me to me. All of y'all can go screw yourself. I'm canceling my shows and I'm quitting pro wrestling. Chasing my dream was great, but you self-entitled pricks ruin everything. I'm out. And then uh, MLW, they respond to this and they say, we respect ACH's decision and want him to be happy. Which, uh... I give them a lot of credit for the tasteful nature of that tweet because they handled it exactly how you would handle someone who has mental health issues. If it wasn't, yeah. if it wasn't already obvious that the man has mental health issues, I think that the way that they worded that was clever enough that I feel he does. You know what I mean? Like that's what I would say to someone who I thought was fucking crazy. Honestly, <laughs> I wish you Pretty well much. and I want you to be happy. That's what I got out of it. I thought that was classy of them. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. I don't think so, though, because I feel the guy's suffering from mental health issues. I think that he's, uh, you know, and again, there's a guy I've spoken to, so I feel bad, but I feel like he's having some sort of either a mental breakdown or he has some sort of mental issues completely. So then uh, a few other things came out with him on social media where uh, people wanted to know why he didn't ever apologize for uh, calling Jay Lethal an Uncle Tom. And he's quoted as saying, Lito slapped me in a hotel room because he didn't like me using the N-word, which he uses as well. He tried to pull my bitch cars in front of the locker room, but I defended myself. I hit him back and took him down. And I was told I had to apologize for it because it would be in my best interest. Jimmy Jacobs, a person who I respect, was the reason I felt I had to. When I went to Lethal, he never apologized to me for putting his hands on me. All he did was tell me how he's, he's felt with racism, etc., etc. But not once did he ever say my bad for hitting you. 
So to this day, I'll say it loud and clear. I don't like him. I never will. Stop asking me to apologize for what I've said because I won't ever. RH Locker was the worst time in my career for me. I'm over it. I don't care to talk about it. And I'll do whatever in my powers to make sure I'm never, ever belittled, embarrassed, or bullied again. So, uh, yeah, Lito slapped him for using the N-word. It's just a strange story. This one strange story comes out after another. That doesn't add up in so many different ways. Like, <laughs> and it's even worse coming from him now, which at this point, it just seems like everything that's coming out of his mouth just seems to be full of shit. Like, yeah. So then, uh, our old buddy, Shad Gaspard, crime time bring himself. It, bring it, bring it. You know, and you know, Shad has never been one to hold his tongue. Hell, of course, if you've ever oh, read, shit. if you've ever read JTG's book, which I have. It's a very interesting, one of my most interesting reads on how fucking much trouble you can get into hanging out with that guy. (laughs) Shad has no filter at all. Whatsoever. Whatsoever. It's funny. I highly recommend that book. It's like Niagara Falls. It's great. I highly recommend that book. I've recommended (laughs) it on here many times before. I gotta find that Uh, one. So, uh, yeah, let's see what the hell this is here. This is a quote. Um, Shad went in on him. He basically said, on that note, shut the fuck up. If all you can do is badmouth and talk down people and, and the business after people have gone out of their way to understand and help you, then fuck off. Talent gets you so far in life, but it's obvious your character is one of an attention-seeking ass who wants sympathy while burning others. Grow up and understand the world doesn't revolve around you. The business, as well as life, doesn't cater to one individual. So either suck up and do something, or shut the fuck up, because this bipolar crying shit is getting old. <laughs> oh my god. And, uh, yeah, you can't really argue with that. You're a seated child. Yeah, shut the fuck up. And then, and then ACH, uh, got into some more trouble because, uh, I guess a fan replied to him with a tweet in Spanish. Oh, and, God. And, and the tweet. So hold on a minute. Seriously? So then apparently ACH's response to the Spanish tweet was bitty bitty bum bum to you too. And apparently this quote is from the late Selena. Yeah, whatever the person who tweeted them, it was a it was a Selena quote, yeah. Bitty bitty bum bum to you too. Oh my god. Okay, so he's now being bombarded by fans who consider him racist as fuck for saying that. And uh the tweet that the person said in Spanish translates to I supported you from Mexico and it's a shame to see how crying and fragile you turned out to be besides being irresponsible. And that's what he said, bitty, bitty, bum, bum to you, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> this dude. See, this is why I said I refuse to call him ACH, because ACH, at least the ACH I remember, didn't used to do ignorant shit like this. Not ignorant, ignorant. Okay, he didn't even get the whole freaking thing. Like, bitty, bitty, bum, bum, bro. Really? You find yourself real cool while you was just talking about a story about how Jay Lethal slapped you for using the N-word and all of a sudden you got a problem. Like, and like, I'm so in the funny thing. Is I feel like Shad said what everybody's been thinking. If you have a problem with it, shut the fuck up and go away. It's that simple. We don't need 10,000 tweets so you can have the world try to feel bad for you or just give you some kind of reaction because that seems to be all he fucking wants. 
Well, like we were just here last week when he was talking about so, oh, we're gonna fight the machine with indie wrestling, and then he signs with MLW, and then a day later quits and makes that's them a, look bad. That's the case, the machine fuck you up, <laughs> and then makes them look bad. And then he says Ring of Honor was the worst time of his wrestling career, but yet he went down so hard on NXT for a fucking T-shirt. If they're not even the worst in your career, why would you treat them that way? And not even give them the benefit of the doubt. Exactly. Like, what the fuck's the matter with you? Like, you dude, know what I mean? you talk about uh, you talk about ROH was the worst time of his career. Pretty sure he did a lot more in ROH than he did in NXT. The last thing he did in ROH wasn't get lashed on by Adam Cole. Look at some of these tweets he got for that. Never come to Latin America. So much for that hashtag for the culture thing. Oh, that was my favorite one. Yeah, that went like out the here. window. He went for he, as soon as he realized nobody cared about that, he switched it over to wrestling. As soon as he realized nobody cared about that, someone, he quit. Someone just said, "Dude, you just quoted Selena to a Mexican in a bad way. Delete that." And then someone else put hypocrisy at its finest. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this doesn't do you any favors. This comes off as intolerant and hypocritical, bro. This isn't the move. That's racist. <laughs> wow, that's not good. Nah, dude, this ain't cool at all. It just gets yeah. worse and worse. Yeah, it's gonna get. I'm gonna be laughing the whole time while all the while Jay Lethal's got a title shot, a final battle. Where's yours, Jordan? I support as long as it's your culture, it should be respected, right? Like, yeah, they don't. You know, people are pissed, fucking all, and you can't blame them. Exactly. He he deserves it. There's no way to defend anything he's been doing. He has a mental problem. He needs help. I mean, I'm going to just say it. He has a problem, you know? Like, look at how he's bro. behaving. Look at how he's behaving. It's, it's, it's appalling. It's embarrassing. Like, I'm embarrassed for the guy. You know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. It's coming out of nowhere, and it's just, there's such a lack of class. And Over a fucking t-shirt. And WWE, <laughs> let me tell you something, man. You say what you want about this company. You say what you want about the office. Those people at the top that run that office are, are used to dealing with all kinds of personalities. Drug abusers, alcoholics, people that are crazy, people that have that that have depression. They've dealt with it all over the years. Before we even lived in a society that were giving these conditions labels and classifications or even medications to help relegate them, WW was out here experiencing personalities. As a person who's dealt with many personalities, I can say that after a while you learn how to deal or see characteristics in somebody to know the kind of person that they are and the kind of decisions that they're going to make. That being said, it now has become more clear to me the reason why WWE stood quiet. They've dealt with people like this before, maybe not this exact situation, but they know that inevitably his behavior outside of their company is going to answer a lot of questions in regards to their credibility. They base in, in layman's terms, in case people don't understand what I'm saying, it basically means that they said, fuck it, let him leave and, uh, when people see how he acts out there, they'll they'll get why we why we um didn't came to terms with him. Exactly, they don't want to deal with the headache. So it showed. It couldn't be. You know, are we are we to believe all these companies have problems? All companies have problems. Are we to believe that WWE, Ring of Honor, and MLW? Who the fuck else is left then? Who who do, who is there? Anybody that that's not a shitty company? ACH, right? I'm waiting for him to say, I'm waiting for him, uh, to say something about New Japan because when he had New didn't he show up in New Japan for a little bit too? Yep. Yeah. Well, sure well, 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 we'll be here next week with the New Japan shit. Unbelievable, <laughs> man. He showed up in fucking New Japan. Yeah. So I mean, you know what I mean? It's it's just becoming a shame that uh, no one he doesn't get along with anybody. It's like it can't be the whole world. At a certain point, when you're not getting along with anyone and you have an issue with everybody, it's you. Yeah. Exactly. 
And it's like, it's so funny how he was at this whole thing where it's like, oh, he, or he said that video is like WWE up like black people. But we're seeing every single we're, we're seeing a thousand and one cases that are just like, no, no, maybe they just don't fucking like you because you are a head case. You need to get your shit right. Set a better example, man. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Mark said we the black delegation will trade Jordan Miles for Johnny Nitro Mundo Impact Morrison. <laughs> Johnny Johnny Mundo. There you go. We'll, keep, we'll, 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 we'll gladly take him. Johnny Mundo. Yeah, let's get But the sad part is, Mark, at that point, I think he'd be a neutral party because I'm pretty sure nobody would take him at this point. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it's like, and, and then this, the, the thing that I sent you that he's a little, I guess, response to Shad, it's like a five year old responding. <laughs> yeah. That was wonderful. Like, yeah, dude, Rila. Yeah, you stuck it to him, didn't you? <laughs> Sometimes this is what needs to be done, man. You just have to put people into their damn place. Exactly. You know, I'm glad there's too much of this going on where everyone's too scared. Sometimes just let motherfuckers know where they are. You know what I mean? That's all. I don't care. You let people know. Exactly. Shad checked his ass and the best he could do was make was trying to make a funny picture. Yeah, exactly. Which wasn't even funny. It was just dull and boring looking like freaking. Like at this point, like, yeah, go ahead. Quit wrestling. It's not going to miss you. It doesn't need you. All those other guys in the breakout tournament are actually getting opportunities, unlike you. First of all, because they ain't whining like little bitches. I mean, shoot, they they ran a video package on Isaiah Swerve Scott on this past NXT. Just saying, that's a guy who um didn't need to be for the culture or for whatever bullshit you're spending, spending this week because you change it three or four times. Yeah, you simply exactly. like like and none, none of them have a T-shirt either, and there's, there's no issue. So um, are you sure it's the problem? Sure, the whole culture thing is the problem. No, dude, like, get over yourself, man. Like, yeah. Good luck to you in your future endeavors. So, even future endeavors. <laughs> but since you brought it up, Mark, Johnny Mundo, Morrison, Nitro. Nitro Impact, Blaze. He is now signed officially with WWE. Yeah. Welcome oh. back. <laughs> He's going to be on the bump next week. I already have it up on the on the screen, on the screen over there for you guys. And linked into the chat room on our Twitter social media. Follow us on Twitter if you're not already, because that's where you'll see all the links to the stuff if you're not watching the live broadcast. Yeah, it's I, I didn't think I see the day when he come back. I really didn't think I see the day. Yeah, but he's back. And uh and well, welcome back, sir. <laughs> yeah, he's looking good, you know. I mean, what are your thoughts? Did you enjoy he was really, really solid when he was last Oh, he was absolutely right? fantastic. You know, I think if it wasn't for the Molina shit that went down, he probably would have never left. He probably would have been champion. He probably would have been world champion. He could have been. He was like on the cusp of it before he left. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was kind of, it's kind of funny. A lot of people give it to Kofi. He was kind of, I think he was kind of the kickstart for those like off the walls, uh, Royal Rumble saves. Yeah. Nobody ever really talks about his. He had some cool looking stuff during the Royal Rumble. That's why I most noticed him. Yeah, here's a picture of him. I'll get that in the chat. This is him with all his friends celebrating. All his WWE friends. Yeah, I mean, he was he was an absolutely fantastic athlete. He's always been. Whether he was, I mean, I, I'll still never forget when he first uh, showed up in ECW. And it was such a, like, shocking thing. And, like, everybody's like, wait a minute, what the fuck is Morrison doing here? Shows up and immediately wins the ECW championship. Has a good run with it. Moves up with the IC title. I think he was a, he's a former tag team champion at Eminem. 
the dude's always been an absolutely incredible athlete. So he's and he hasn't slowed down since he left. Like he hasn't really lost any kind of pace. So I feel like he could get in and adjust to what this uh this new breed of talent that's here since he's been gone. Yeah, absolutely. And uh yeah, it's been a long time and he's been all over the place, so this will definitely be like a good blend for him. I wonder where they're gonna place him though. Which which brand do you see him being on? I feel like because it's literally people, it's a it's a whole roster full of people he's never been in the ring with. I'd like to see him in NXT because I don't think he's fought anybody in NXT almost. Whereas with Raw and SmackDown, you'll see old rivalries rekindled. You'll see kind of old matches kind of ran back over again. I feel like due to the sake of it being a completely fresh roster, I'd like to see NXT. But then again, Raw and SmackDown aren't exactly what they used to be since he's been gone either. Right. So it's 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 a hard choice. That's the thing. <laughs> like, I can't help but notice. He's been this, in uh, no matter what. That's the thing. Like, we're going to get into it in a little while. There's been a lot of releases in WWE, but I can't help but notice that on this this picture is coming from Zack Ryder's uh, Twitter account, but his name is Matt Cardona. Why did he turn his name back to normal? Has he been released tonight or something and we don't know it yet? I haven't seen anything or heard about anything. Or did he just always not have his actual name as uh, Matt Cardona? I well, mean, I know he's paying Ryder... attention to Matt Cardona. <laughs> you don't pay attention to Zack Ryder's Twitter? Come on, man. Uh, uh, hey, I, I see enough of him and Hawkins showing up on YouTube talking about some, we found this action figure this week. And I'm like, uh, I'm looking just to see. Out of curiosity, if he got, if something happened, because yeah, we're going to have to get into releases in a little while. But yeah, that's where a lot of that release money is going. <laughs> yeah, you got to pay Mundo. Yeah, got to pay Mundo money. So, you know, very good though. You know, very very good. Oh yeah, it, it's I can't wait for that pop when he like shows up in ring again because it's gonna be crazy. He might be a Rumble entry. Rumble ain't too far away. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, I think he'll be here before the Rumble, right? It's already December. Yeah, that's true. It'll probably be before the Rumble. I think before he shows up. But if they can make it last and wait that long, that would be crazy. Yeah, not for sure, you know, but um, because that's how I kind of felt when uh, AJ showed up. People have been hearing that AJ was coming for a while before he showed up in the Rumble. The only difference is with Mundo, we have confirmation he is back. I think that he needs to uh, be in NXT more than anything right now, man. I don't think that he it would fit anywhere else. Yeah, his style fits NXT, and he'd have a little bit more freedom there because they kind of they let them go a little bit more in NXT than the other two play the other two brands, and for the sake of the month, and for the sake of the Wednesday Night War as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that would be a good spot for him. But we're gonna have to see what happens with him, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. only time will tell. Yeah, here's hoping. All right, well. Before we get into another news story, what I want to do is I want to talk about a little bit of the AEW. We're going to sprinkle in some of the weeklies throughout the night. Uh, and, of course, cover Raw at the end. But let's talk about this past week's AEW. Because, uh, you know, it's a show that you should watch. Right, Dustin? You don't want to exactly. have, you don't want to give it to WWE too easily, right? You want to make them have to fight for these Wednesday Night Wars. Exactly. You gotta make it, we got to make it fun, guys. Yeah. So we went, we watched AEW Dark. I highly recommend you watch it. That being said, first match was Brandon Cutler versus Jimmy Havoc. Oh, yeah. And quite the match it was. Yeah. Uh, Havoc goes over with the Acid Rainmaker. Mm hmm. Yes, he does. And, uh, after the match, uh, 
he basically staples a check to uh to the forehead of Brandon Cutler. Yeah, because uh because of due to what he did in uh, the Diamond Dozen Battle Royale stapling all those people, AEW fined him ten G's. So he stapled the check to <laughs> He paid him by stapling that's hardcore. That's a new level <laughs> of hardcore. And the funny thing is, what made it funny was the backstage stuff. Because they were saying, oh, we got to find you again. And he goes, okay, I'll staple that one to the next one. And he basically, Jimmy Haddock made it clear, like, you could stay, you could find, every time you, you could find me as many times as you want, I'm going to keep stapling people. Yeah. I would not find that man ever again. <laughs> no, no, not if he's going to pay you like that. That's what I need to do. You know what I mean? Like the next time a bill's do. I just need just to <laughs> put that shit on somebody. Take that. Just, what? just, just walk up to the office. You see his phone bill? <laughs> pay him my bills. I'll be back next <laughs> month. <laughs> be ready for next me. Next thing you know, all you see is, Rick Darn, we upgraded your account. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be right over to pay it. Walk my way. Send them a selfie ahead of time of me smiling with the staple gun. Oh, stop. <laughs> you know, here we go. Oh god, I'm here guys. Click. Yeah. yeah he, so, he's fitting really good in this company though. And I like how like the stable become stable gun becoming such a thing, but he doesn't do it enough to where he burns it out. Good job in making Jimmy Havoc look like a crazy hardcore bastard. Bad job in making Brandon Cutler look like any kind of a threat. Because somebody staples a check to your head and you go backstage to them and you go, Hey man, what are you doing stapling a check to my head? <laughs> that is not cool. You shouldn't be doing things like that around here. That like that's what he me. did. Like I, I like when he came out, I'm thinking, oh shit, this is an altercation. They're gonna fucking throw each other into the locker room. The fucking tables gonna flip. He goes, listen, I don't appreciate this. That's just not right. It's just kind of oh, like, and he oh, just oh. left them. There was no physicality at all. <laughs> oh boy. I just and, love how like he stapled that check to the wall to it. He's just like, I'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. So the next match was Sean Spears against Sonny Kiss with the finish being Sean Spears going over with the running Death Valley driver. And then afterwards, a spiked pile driver. Yeah, that's like become their thing now, which is like, geez. Yeah, Sean Spears and uh, and Tully Blanchard jumping off the, the steel steps to, to do the spike pile driver. I forgot folded poor Sonny Kiss up. Yeah, don't mess with these guys. I said that I really like this gimmick. Oh, it wor- it's working perfectly. I still think like, his his music is slowly becoming one of my favorites, just because like the clang of the chair kicked the whole thing off. Yeah, I, yeah. And, and like I can't tell if that's the audio or the chair. Yeah, he's he's copyrighted some names like Perfection, the Perfection, but with the 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 I and the O being a one and a zero, I guess for the ten, the way of saying perfect yeah. ten, and a few other things. But next comes my favorite part of AEW Dark. Oh, I was you just took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> so we get. We get a video package, a very vi- unique video package called Jurassic Planet that stars uh, Jungle Boy and, of course, the rest of the cast. I'm going to let you guys see this just because it's so funny. This if you have, if you're not watching AEW Dark already, this is going to be the link to the Horpus on the channel, but this is just one of the reasons you need to watch this. The Jurassic Terrain. It's a haven of lush vegetation teeming with some of the finest examples of wild animals. Jungle Boy. He's quite the specimen, capable of traversing on two limbs or on four. Heart chimpanzee, Jungle Boy is a deft hunter. He's 
is also one of the cleanest animals you'll find. One must always be mindful in the Jurassic terrain. Ferocious creatures lurk in the depths. Luchasaurus, king of the jungle. He has the teeth of a carnivore, but really, he's just an angry herbivore. Luchasaurus does not like to be bothered during his supper time. But he's always ready for a fight. Together, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy can hunt down and kill any predator. Oh, it's just a Babysaurus, and a naughty one at that. Marco Stunt, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Jurassic Express, together again. Now let's go back to the ring for our next bout here on AEW Dark. Dude, how Jurassic Express meets Santana and Ortiz in tag team action. Let me understand. I, I, I need to explain y'all how funny this was. And why do these guys match. get superhero sounding music for being these small characters, you know? I love their music. Making their way to the ring, the team of Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy, Jurassic Express! Jurassic Express has won over the hearts and minds of the AEW oh, faithful. Oh, too good, too but good. But they are still looking for their first this victory. This so funny because ever you message me and say, just go straight to this timestamp. <laughs> Wasn't even like enjoy the rest of the show, just right to that moment. Even though, like I said before, there's a little too much excessive comedy when, you know, like that, I gotta admit, that popped me, that whole little jungle thing, the music and everything about it was, uh, <laughs> it was just like, a, <laughs> that was pretty funny, man. Oh my God. There's the link on our Twitter for anyone who, who was interested in uh, seeing that. <sighs> that was funny. It's being reported that Jungle Boy was one of the guys that for several months they had already decided that he was going to be put on a no-rush focus going all the way back to when he did good in the first Battle Royale. So it's not like they just decided out of nowhere, hey, we're going to push this guy. It was more or less like this has been planned for a while. This is this is long-term slow burn booking. So just figured I would throw that in there. That being said, we then have the match Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt against Proud and Powerful PMP with the finish being PMP going over with the Flapjack Liger Bomb combo on Marco. Uh, side note on this, Nyla, Nyla Rose, actually pretty good on commentary. She seems to really be into the gimmicks and, uh, the characters. Most, most importantly, she seems aware of things. Like, I like her talking about the, uh, the chancletas of the proud and powerful and how they get their strength from carrying all those bodega groceries and stuff. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's a good healer. She, she, she's better than most commentators. She's organically good on the mic. And, uh, yeah. Pretty funny. I guess because she's condescending and a bitch in actual real life, it's easy for her to go into that commentary role. But yeah, really, really cool. Um, after the match, they wind up attacking the baby faces. PNP attacks the baby faces. Luchasaurus winds up coming to the rescue, clearing the ring, battling with Jack Hager. 
eventually Santana uh, and Ortiz and Sammy Guevara wind up overwhelming Luchasaurus and then the Young Bucks wind up doing a run in and they wind up hitting the double super kicks on Santana and Ortiz. There's a finisher party basically on poor Sammy Guevara <laughs> because uh, he takes the fall in this entire thing. And what makes it even funnier because uh, Sammy does like the whole vlog thing. That shit made it into the vlog. Yeah, I and, 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 and it's it literally it in... titled AEW Tart Goes Terribly Wrong. Yeah, I love the way they steal the uh they they, they steal the, the vlog from them. They stole know? this fucking camera. That was amazing. That's payback from last week when they stole being the elite. If you, you see that episode, it came on with their own music, like they, it was their version. Oh god. Yeah, I didn't have time to play it on here, but I would say go check out last week's being the elite. Instead of the D the elite, it was their it was their uh inner circle <laughs> in, in the damn thing, and they took the show from them. But uh, yeah. So I I love that like when Sammy's doing that stuff, it's not like the Tyler Breeze thing where it just looks like it's just for that moment. He's legit like vlogging this shit to his channel. Yeah, excellent stuff. So that yeah, brings really us really good AEW Dark, mm-hmm. and that brings us to AEW Dynamite, which the show opens with a six man tag match: Dustin Rhodes and the Young Bucks going up against the Inner Circles, Ortiz, Sammy Guevara, and Santana. Finish being. Bucks going over with Matt coming off the top with a missile dropkick, while Dustin and Nick have both of the opponents in tombstone position. So he sent on onto the third while spiking them with drop with the dropkick. Best way Repeat I can describe special. it. special. Double yeah. Melster Driver sent on combo. There you go. There you go. Uh, there was this one spot where Guevara took a double super kick from the Young Bucks as he was going for, uh, as he was coming off the top rope. I guess he was going for a moonsault. And uh, the way the camera showed the spot, it didn't show uh, a good angle. So you couldn't see that what was actually happening was uh, Matt Jackson was laying on the floor and Guevara was going to hit him with a high spot. And Matt Jackson quickly managed to get up before this happened and then both bucks super kick him. Unfortunately, the camera only showed from the top down. So a lot of people were joking on social media and they were like, what the hell was his end game? You know, you have this guy jump off the top rope into a super kick. Like what else could have happened? But what people don't get is sometimes when you see that happen, and this is one of those cases, um, it's because of the camera angle. It looks like the person just jumps into a spot, but you can't see what's going on uh, beyond the spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this was one of those cases and, and Sammy Guevara actually posted the proper camera angle, which I'm going to, let me see if I can bring it up here for you. I want you guys to look for yourself so you can see how it actually looked from a different perspective. Bear with me. Here it comes. It's coming. I actually put it a little bit larger. So you can see. Got it? Yeah. See, that's what you couldn't see from that camera. If you're looking at the TV camera, you don't see that Matt was on the ground. So it just looks like the guy set himself up for a bump. Okay. Let's figure that clear that up. Anybody who's on du- social media, Dustin's gear. here is the, the link. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Read. I'm sorry. And du- and Dustin's gear killed me. That motherfucker was gold buck tonight. <laughs> yeah, it was cool to have the other brother teaming with them for once, you know? Yeah. And it was just I, my favorite thing is when he hit those uh, chain of uh, scoop slams, and he gets to Guevara, and he goes, "Hold on, hold on, give me a minute." He ducks Guevara's clothesline and whips right into the next one. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. Dude is incredible for his age. Like he found the fountain of youth and isn't telling anybody where it's at. Mm-hmm. 
So next we had a singles match, Ray Phoenix against Trent with Chuck Taylor and Art Cassidy accompanying him. Finish being Ray going over. I don't exactly remember. What was, the, what was the spot that he did for this? Uh, it was out of that muscle buster driver. Right, right. Yeah. So guys went back. Yeah. Cody comes out. He does a promo. Um, that scar on his head is really bad. Like, I don't oh, see, yeah, like, unless rough. he gets plastic surgery, he's stuck with that. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's really bad. I don't even know what's possessing this guy to take these crazy bumps he does, but that's going to stay there. So, uh, he basically implies that MJF does the worst crossroads and at least they're, they're botching it on two channels now, which is a jab at <laughs> WWE. Who, who's doing the crossroads in, in NXT? Damien Priest. Damien Priest. There you go. So that's what, oh, he, <laughs> That was fucked up. Yeah, so he basically saying that now there's two people stealing the crossroads, and there really is. There really is, because it's no, not like... Uh, he said that, I instantly knew he was talking about Priest. Unless my memory served me incorrectly, I don't recall Punishment Martinez and Ring of Honor having a crossroads, right? Oh, it, it used to be uh, the South of Heaven chokeslam. Right, exactly. So Which he does just, in NXT. Yeah, so they decided to just give him the crossroads. There's no question about it. So yeah, and it's not like they're unaware. If we as the fans and the wrestlers as the the workers are aware of the finishers and who belongs to who, there's no way that at the top booking WWE doesn't realize that they gave the crossroads to Damian Priest. So you know what? Which I'm not, it it not... would have been... It would have been a better idea to just keep the South of Heaven because I mean, who? How many people out there do we know has a sit out choke slam? Right, exactly. So versus how many people we've where, seen in the past do the crossroads? Right. So this is one of those things where I don't really, um, I'm not all for these two companies going up against each other and throwing jabs constantly. I want to focus on what I'm watching without hearing about the other thing. You know, if the Avengers movies were constantly talking about how shitty Batman is, I, it wouldn't be interesting. It'd be like, you know, that's kind of strange. So and I don't mind the the jokes every now and then. This is one case where I, where, where I say it's a pass. It's good because, uh, yeah, the, the, he does have people using the crossroads, you know. So I thought that was actually really funny. Um, he talks about how um, MJF is actually hood poor with a fake scarf. And uh, then he goes, <laughs> he goes a little crazy, starts pulling a Ric Flair, he's taking off his clothes, you know, I'll, I'll give you my expensive shoes, even the watch that Tony Khan gave him, I'll give you money, $50,000 in money, gives a $100 bill to a fan to confirm that this money is, is legit money, and uh, yeah, pretty much, that's just how it goes, and obviously they're not going to give us the match, this is just teasing yeah. the possibility of getting the match. Yeah, not yet. Yeah. Uh, what else happened in this AEW? Uh, I mean, Joey, Joey Janela, he gives an emotional promo about how he's going to have to kill John Moxley. And then Moxley walks right in on the promo and he just shrugs, looks at him and goes, kids. <laughs> she was great. Unlike the promo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So we have a, a back, uh, I don't can't even say backstage, a video package. You got the Dark Order once again, and they're recruiting this Robert Paulson wannabe. If you ever... <laughs> <laughs> Your name is Robert Paulson. You know what I mean? It's a fucking fight club. You know, anyone who didn't get that reference. But yeah, so they have this Robert Paulson shit going on. And, and, and it's Robert Paulson and a young George R. R. Martin as the two recruits. Oh, no. But, uh, <laughs> but the George R. R. Martin guy doesn't make it through because his reason for wanting to join the Dark Order was he just wanted friends. So they give him a Robert Kirkman death. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Think about how many different book references we managed to get in that stupid little Yo. thing. <laughs> But that's really what happened. You had these two guys, Robert Paulson and George R. R. Martin, and Martin wanted friends, and then, uh, and they, and literally, they gave him a PG Robert Kirkman death because they all just they, they all literally fingered the guy. And when I mean that, I mean in the negative penetration style way. It's just all their fingers are all over him, like whoa! Oh my god! Somebody else is gonna isolate that one part. They all just fingered the guy. <laughs> <laughs> They, 
they wanted to simulate, I guess, tear, the fingers tearing him apart, but instead it just looked like that one um, Cosby show opening where they all put their hands on his face and they go, dun, 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 and his face oh, appears. God. <laughs> That's what they want him sort of doing. Just absurd, man. The dark horror. Boo. Can't win them all, though, AEW. You can't win them all. Uh-huh. Better luck next week with that. We get a singles match with Leva Bates, accompanied with Peter Avalon against Nyla Rose. But before the match, they show a video package of Nyla Rose attacking uh, Shylat, the autograph signing, to remind us about that. And uh, basically, there, there was a whole bunch of stuff. First of all, the finish to the match is the sit-out uh, powerbomb from Nyla Rose, and then which she calls the beast bomb. She winds up even hitting her with a second one after the match is over. But in all of the gender confusion, Peter Avalon rushes into the ring, threatening to punch Nyla Rose before it leads to a double choke slam on both Peter Avalon and Leva. So, who knows what the hell's going on with this entire thing. Shayna at one point comes off the top with a crossbody on Nyla and some ugly striking offense before Nyla winds up getting uh, the upper hand with a with a slam. I'm not impressed with anything I'm seeing from the girls. There was nothing really here to see that really, uh, there, there, there was some interesting stuff that happened afterwards. Yeah. During the, the, the screen and screen. Well, first of all, uh, Nyla Rose, this was a good bomb. She power bombs her through the table, basically. Yeah. She power bombed, uh, Rick Knox, the ref through the table first. Yeah. She power bombs the ref and then she power bombs, uh, Leva Bates onto the ref. On the destroyed table. That was different. <laughs> and there was somebody do that before. Yeah, no, no, no. This was a, this was definitely a violent, violent spot. And, uh, I'm actually going to bring that up on the screen for a couple of reasons because the other thing they did was they made fun of the NXT Adam Cole thing. Oh, that was now, great. Now here's the thing for people who are subscribed because, because uh, AEW has like a $5 a month subscription service you can go to where you can watch the uncut version of it. When, so when you, when, when, when people watching it on TNT get that picture in picture where you're watching it, the reason why sometimes there's promos and script going on there is because people who have paid for the subscription version, they're watching a version where there is no promo and promo. It's just straight up wrestling and they never get the commercials. So that's coming from this version here and you get a better look at the Britt Baker part that they did striking nyla might not be the thing you want to do referee's trying to talk nyla out of this thing finally yeah talking reason oh oh wait wait no what in the world oh dr Britt baker's looking on that's adam cole's girlfriend and now Adam Cole's girlfriend. Oh god! Oh, these guys, man. So that was the one cool bump of the entire thing, you know, where you get the shot of Britt Baker and everything. You know, they know what they're doing. You saw that in the picture in picture, though. But now you got a little bit more of an emphasis on the fact that they parodied WWE there just a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, after that, we get Swagger accompanying Jericho to the ring. Jericho's doing a promo where he reveals the new list, the lexicon of Le Champion. Not just the list. I love how he even goes. It's not 2016. Yeah, this is a completely different concept. And this is a list of everyone he's refusing to, to, to wrestle with. And, uh, this is very similar to his 1001 holds list from back in oh, the 90s dude, against Dean Malenko. Exactly what I because, uh, for. if you guys recall on that list, one of the things was every couple of moves he would say armbar. Like he named armbar like 10 times. And he was doing the same thing here, except he, like every few, uh, people he would name Moxley again. Moxley was the armbar. Yo, he named so many people. I lo- I lost it when Kenny from South Park came up. Yeah, Kenny from oh, South Park. I- <laughs> and 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 basically, 
he's about to say Marty Skrull. He goes, Marty and Luchasaurus interrupts with his music. Very clever the way that they did that because they're trying to tease without teasing. So he's naming all these people. Not many people caught that. But at the end of it, he goes, Marty. And then right there, yeah, Luchasaurus I, I, comes yeah, out. Yeah. So Luchasaurus comes out and he does an intellectual promo. He tries to. He kind of tongue ties himself a little bit. Uh you know, I, I mean, I guess he's nervous first time on the mic that I could think of in this company, but he tries to uh, shoot an yeah, intellectual promo. Yeah, first time he cut a promo. You know, uh, it was good enough for what it was. They need to just let him warm that up a little bit more. Jericho shits all over Jungle Boy, calling him a literal piece of shit. And uh, Jungle Boy winds up slapping Jericho after Jericho says that he wouldn't last 10 minutes against him. He, he calls him Jack Perry's royal, a whole bunch of fucked up things. But after the slap, this breaks into a brawl between... uh Pretty much everyone in the heels wind up retreating to end that segment, which brings us to Hikaru Shida against Chris Statlander. Finish being Statlander going over with that cradle tombstone. Um, And this is funny because this is essentially the number one contender that just got fucking cradle tombstone. So I guess at this point, when they say wins and loss are going to mean something, they should actually consider about switching that number one contender thing around. You had your number one contender who's going to face the title, just lose. On one of your weeklies. This was actually a good match though. There were a lot of cool power spots. I would highly recommend checking it out if you haven't already. Um, afterwards, Awesome Kong and Brandy show up. Brandy has a promo where she introduces her new stable known as the Nightmare Collective. They are trying to recruit Chris Statlander to pledge herself to the Nightmare Collective. Keep in mind, Chris Statlander has just been signed to AEW. She was trying, NXT was trying to swoop her up. She wound up going here. Uh, the fans weren't liking this Nightmare Collective thing. Maybe they'll warm up to it. We'll have to see what happens. Um, but Chris Statlander was reluctant to join the Nightmare Collective. And then instead, we, what you get is a fan at ringside who wants to pledge to them. But this isn't actually a fan. This is Melanie Cruz, former Guardians of Rise and Resistance Pro Women's Champion, who they have now brought into the company. And who's now permanently going to be part of this stable, I'm assuming. And that being said, part of the pledge, very similar to the Straight Edge Society, they shave her. They start shaving her head completely. Like throughout the commercial, they do the picture in picture once again. In your commercial break, you're getting a freaking shave. So, what are your thoughts on the Nightmare Collective, Destin? It's weird. There's too much cutting of women's hair. I can't with this. Like this is like they really cut that hair though. I can't even complain like about they, that one okay. anymore. You oh yeah, oh yeah. There, there was nothing safe about this. They wouldn't. <laughs> this one was kind of cool because like they legit like shaved that shit. But I was like, it's kind of weird how like this whole stable kind of revolves around hair. So I'm like, yeah, no, this was the real deal. This was true hair cutting happening here. Oh yeah. Yeah, so now you can see her. We have the picture up. I also shared on social media for anyone who didn't get to see the finished product, which, uh, why would you get to see the finished product? They didn't show it on the thing. You can now see it, uh, on social media if you're in the chat room. You know, bring up the, uh, the visuals on this. Yeah. You know, there we go. I wanted to bring it in larger. You could see. It has a good look. I like the, I like the bold look that she has. Oh, yeah. She, she worked for her. So there you go. Now, you know, Melanie Cruz, Guardians of Rise and Resistance Pro Women's Champion, brought in as an extra fan on the outside. Don't even know why they would do that at this point. You know, it's like just bring her in as what she is. But sure. Either way, she got there. Cody Rhodes tweeted in response to this segment saying, my love, SMH, for those not social media savvy, SMH is shaking my head. So he's going, my love, shaking my head. Do we at least sign her? <laughs> 
Christopher Daniels has a match against Pentagon Jr., finished being Daniels' goals for the cover after Angel's Wings. But Phoenix winds up distracting him from the pin, and then Pentagon comes in with a cane. But Daniels winds up avoiding the attack. But when he tosses it to the side, the ref gets distracted at the sight of the, <laughs> the game being tossed. Turns around, Pentagon uses that for a low blow, and then follows through with a package pile driver. So that was pretty much the way that that match was lost. At one point, Daniels hit an Arabian moonsault that was botched. I don't know if that was storyline because they emphasized that he was having bad legs or whatever. That he had an injury. Uh, but yeah, it could have been storyline because they acknowledged it like that. Yeah, yeah. Or they could have been trying to recover him. You know, that's yeah. what you're supposed I mean, to I mean, I, I, the only reason I could almost see it being storyline is like I have to think like when have I ever seen him mess that move up? <laughs> yeah. Bunny Butcher and Blade have a promo that sucks. Yeah. You know, that thing where she turns her head to the side, the whole thing just looks too forced and, and bad. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful. Joey Janela has his main event match against John Moxley with the finish being Moxley going over with the paradigm shift and then this ending with Jericho and his goons with the attack, right? What was it? How did they oh, go off the air? They went off there in comedy. Gotta remind me a little bit here. Um, wow. It's just, yeah, actually, yeah, they didn't even, uh, I don't even think they fully jumped him. It's just like Jericho's music showed Jericho's music all played, but he pretty much like stared him down um, from the from the stands. Kind of, kind of like how Moxley did him. Uh, before. Oh yeah, you're right. And they emphasize that he's doing this on purpose. He's sending a message. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's what Moxley did all uh, the week before. I'm so used to him going off the air. How to just assume there was blows? But yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> at the top of the ramp. Here you go. Yeah, I mean we're. The, the the end of the year ain't too far away, so and those two have realistically had unfinished business ever since Moxley showed up. Yeah, for sure. In fact, this is actually the first interaction they've had like this since Double or Nothing. Yeah. Overall, was a decent AEW. Yeah, I I like kind of a quickly going back to the Daniels and Pentagon match. We're so used to in WWE, we see something like that. The guy makes a comeback, and then he gets the win. I like that Pentagon still got the win. Yeah, exactly. It's, I, I went into this even expecting for Daniels to win. And when Pentagon hit that, as it was known in Lucha Underground, the three up, three down, that package pile driver, and he still got the win, I was like, okay, that's a nice little change of pace. Like, yeah, just because exactly. he shows up, it doesn't automatically mean you get the win. Exactly. And uh, it keeps it unpredictable, you know, and I guess maybe if I look at that number one contender situation that way, the way you just described this, it's not that bad. Like the fact that the, the female number one contender actually wound up losing. Yeah. It's something you wouldn't normally see, when, you know. It almost kind of feels in a sense, because actually this is kind of funny when they talk about the wins and losses thing. I think uh, I've been hearing social media mention that with the whole Jungle Boy thing. It's like, oh, wins and losses don't matter. Don't matter, I guess. In the case of this, it doesn't really matter because Jericho picked him. If you're in that situation, you're gonna pick the guy with the worst win with the worst win loss record. That's common sense. Yeah. Like you kind of some people just just are literally chomping at the bit to try to pick at something with them. It's like you gotta kind of think stuff through before you say something about it. Yeah, this podcast that we used to somewhat be affiliated with, Duke runs it. That's all I'm gonna say about that. That guy went on social media and he was complaining. He's such a troll that he was basically complaining saying that all oh, the wins loss records don't matter here uh you know because of the fact that that but then he 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 completely didn't realize that it wasn't the title match you know that's the thing yeah. he and a few other people just weren't attentive to the fact that it's not a title match you yeah, know they never confirmed and even if it was 
it oh it's overridden by the fact that Chris Jericho was given the choice of who we wanted to wrestle. Yeah. He basically said that uh basically he's contract I believe the way I understand he's contractually obligated to have one more match this year and the champion gets to yes. choose his opponent. So as a heel he chose somebody who would be a non threat. Exactly. That's common sense. Yes. Oh, yeah. So he's totally going to pick fucking Moxley or Pac, who hardly lost since they've been in, AC, in AEW. Exactly what so, they're going to do. So Not Jungle who are looking Boys. At, um, who you can't even remember the last time Jungle Boys even won. He hasn't won. So to look at his abysmal record and say, oh, I guess wins and losses really don't mean anything because he's getting a match against a champion. He never said it was a title match. Yeah. And even and like I said, even if it did, your your argument still holds no ground because Jericho was given the choice. Exactly. When you're given the choice, win losses records be damned. You're gonna pick the guy who you think you're gonna win against. So like stop just, trying it's, it's, to nitpick. That's that's a, that's a problem with a lot of fans. They just look for little shit just to pick at. Like think for two seconds and you realize how invalid your argument is. You know what I'm noticing though? A lot of the fans that are picking at this are people who back when it was WWE versus TNA were picking at WWE when they were clearly a better product. And almost feel like these people just have the tendency to be on whatever is not the hottest thing side to just seem different. Because how the hell are the TNA fans, now the WWE fans, defending them over AEW? Go look at it. Most people who are trying to defend uh, WWE over AEW and just point out shitty things about AEW are the same people who are pointing out shitty things about WWE against TNA. It's just weird. Yeah, and they're going to fail miserably like they did the last time. Yeah, so cut that out with that entire thing. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I, I would have forgotten about that Jericho yeah. shit. Cause that, that, that's been bugging me, because, see, originally, I, I didn't remember him saying that it wasn't a world title match. I thought it was going into this whole thing. But it's like, regardless of whether it was, in that case, you've, the argument's still invalid. Yeah. Because they're literally saying, they're not saying pick the guys with who only have, as they say, above 500 records. They're saying pick anybody who is on the active roster. Jungle Boy counts as anybody on the fucking roster. Sorry, his coffee is just so good. <laughs> I was just listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> you need it when you have to f- deal with fucking raw. And then, and Let, then let's uh, be real. That coffee is better than their argument. Yeah, one thirty in the morning podcast. You know what I mean? Sorry, yeah, hey, sometimes you gotta get through it. If you're listening, you're nocturnal. That's why most of our demographic is on iTunes. And I listen to that shit at this time. <laughs> some of y'all in bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That'll be there. Yeah, write it down. Some of y'all in bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, but yeah, god. It, it was a good one for sure, though. This. Yeah, no, it was good. I, I'm actually looking forward to that Jericho uh, Jungle Boy match because this is ever since um, Jungle Boy started wrestling. This is the biggest match he'll have ever had. Like, win or lose, that kid gets a huge opportunity to display his skill. Well, he's going to lose, but good for the opportunity. Oh, yeah. But, uh, so now we go up against their rivals here. And we're going to look at this week's NXT that starts out with Killian Dane against Pete Dunne. Finish being yeah. Dunne has uh, Dane and a sleeper on the top turnbuckle. Dane simply decides to fall back off the top rope, landing on Dunne, knocking him out for the win. The story that they're telling it, it, here. Like Dane pretty much passed out. Okay, so so Killian then lost consciousness falling back inadvertently. Yeah, it's from what it seems like the way Morrow broke it down, it was similar to what happened at War Games, except it didn't benefit Dunn this time. Exactly. And the story that they're telling here is that Pete Dunn lost due to those circumstances, as well as he was selling his bandaged left leg throughout the match. So uh it's a way to keep everybody strong here. Um that being said, kudos to Pete Dunn for hitting that German on Dane. Insane. 
the raw power of that kid mm-hmm. is frightening. Yeah, everything looks solid here. Undisputed Era. Coming out for a promo, Adam Cole is infuriated because he is not a ragdoll. He didn't appreciate what happened with Keith Lee last week. I forgot Super Smash, brother. Yeah. Keith Lee, who is oozing charisma, as I previously stated, he's nuclear over. He shows up and he basically jokingly says that they turned the, he turned the champion into one of the most viral gifs on the internet today. <laughs> I fucking died when he said that shit because he's not wrong. Yeah. This, all of his promo causes the heels to jump him. And as they say in Pokemon, it's not very effective because he basically is able to outpower them. Um, as a matter of fact, Cole winds up retreating to the top of the ramp and where Champa catches him, feeds him to Keith Lee. But as he throws him up and he has him over his shoulders, the Undisputed Era saves him from the other side of the ropes. They pull him down and they all retreat. Uh, Kushida, we get a recovery video package, which is funny to have this Kushida's coming back thing. I feel like he just got here. And we're already doing a recovery video package yeah. for the guys. Like he feels he was, uh, new to me. He, he wound up injuring his wrist in uh, that match with Walter. Yeah. When, when I, I think when he uh, went for that top top rope hoverboard lock, when Walter landed on him, that's what broke his wrist. Yeah, exactly. So now we're gonna get him back tonight. This is all them showing us that he's recovering and come back tonight. Later in tonight, we get Shayna Baszler versus Zia Lee with the finish being uh, Shayna winds up dodging her tornado kick. And transitioning into the Kiri Fuda clutch for the tap. No surprises here. Uh, have a tag team match with the Forgotten Son, Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake's company with Jackson Riker against... Uh, it was Adrian Alanis and Leon Ruff. Which they're known as the Skulk. And they are from Evolve. Finish yeah. being... Um, this was a squash, to be honest. It's not really much of a finisher or beginning. Not even sure why they would want to bring two Evolve guys that are an established tag team and just squashed them here. But afterwards, Riker chokeslams Leon Ruff over the rope straight out to the ap- apron. That was the big bump of the spot. I guess that made it somewhat worth it. You know, that you have talent. You don't give enough of a fuck about not to do something that dangerous. Yeah. Good for you guys. I mean, they, they, they've done so much for Evolve since their 10th anniversary show. Like, we all thought they would. So. Yeah. After this, we're supposed to get Dakota Kai versus Rhea Ripley, but after an awkward promo from Rhea about setups, I don't know if she forgot her lines or what, because if you listen to her, she almost did the Roman Reigns things where she hesitated between lines. It turns out to be Mia Yim who's actually going to come on. She runs up to beat the hell out of Dakota Kai. They wind up brawling throughout the area and to the back. Shayna and the horsewomen take this opportunity to ambush Rhea Ripley, who is now in the ring by herself. There's this really great sequence of Rhea fighting off the horsewomen several times. As a matter of fact, uh, Shayna has to attempt two different variations of the Kirifuda clutch before finally she overpowers her with the third one. And that's because of the assistance yeah. of the horsewomen where they literally grab her arms and legs and hold her against the ropes to slowly put her yeah, down until she passes out. And then she announces December 18th. We're finally getting it. Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship title match. Absolutely. Yeah. And then after this, something I kind of liked. A homecoming. Cassius Ono comes home to NXT. Cassius, Pretty much laid out an open challenge. Cassius Ono lays out an open challenge accepted by Matt Riddle. Finished to this being ripcord knee strike into the, what does he call it? The Bo Derek? The Bo, the Bro Derek. The Bro Derek. Right, right. I get it. And now, <laughs> and now Riddle is 4 and 0 against yes. Cassius Ono. We got the second crazy German suplex of the night with Riddle getting Ono's big ass up. Yo, I when he got like it took him until he was almost all the way over to when I realized like wait a minute he got him for that uh, that for that suplex. Listen, I'm not body shaming here. Cassius Ono looks like shit. 
Like, oh, he looks terrible. He dude. needs to start saying "oh no" to fucking carbs. Like, I can't believe he carries himself like that while being in WWE. I haven't seen him for a while. I think he was in the UK, which I don't really. He's, he's been in NXT UK this whole time. What you would like, think, as he, hard as they go down there, he'd be in a little bit better shape. Yeah, like Stacey said, Fat Thor. You know, it's it's funny though because <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen him. And you know what they say: if you see somebody every day, you don't notice that they're getting older or fatter or thinner or everything because it's gradual for you. I haven't seen him in a while, but it just made me realize when I saw him that he was out there to be fed to Matt Riddle because he's so fucking fat. It doesn't look good at him. It, 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 is it just me or when he like slid into the ring? Did it look like he had to like almost kind of? Count that one off. All right, okay. One, two, three, slide it. He needs a nutritionist. You know what I mean? He needs, like, there's no fucking, he doesn't look good. Oh, dude, he looks badly. It's not even the word. The match itself was surprisingly good because Cassius is still a fantastic wrestler. That's probably why they tolerate his fatness. Because he, he really, even for his weight, he can go to where it looks like so it doesn't affect He's so good in the ring. I've always liked him, man. I like Chris Hero. I like the Kings of Wrestling. But his fatness is more distracting than Fat Thor. Like, he's fucking fat. He looks fatter than when I last saw him when I thought he was at his fattest. Like, he looks fat. <laughs> that wasn't even his final fat. <laughs> there, write it down. <laughs> This isn't even my final fat. Like, what the fuck is going on here, dude? <laughs> the fuck do you look like that? There's ways. <laughs> I'm so ashamed of us for that one. <laughs> There's ways not to look like that. Oh my god. Good lord. Oh my god. Okay, okay. We we gotta roll away from this. Jesus Christ. We. Uh... Yeah, well, I'm just. I I I was so it was so distracting for me. That's what I'm bringing up. But anyway, you guys know Rip Courtney Strike Bro Derek finish. Next, we got Cameron Grimes against Kushida. It was supposed to be Raul Mendoza, but uh, Raul came came out. I kind of like it was a cave in out of nowhere <laughs> because freaking Cameron Grimes came into onto screen in the air and just spiked poor Raul, stomped him out. Yeah. I like that he had that that move. That's one of those moves that really feels out of nowhere because he does the move so fast. You have all of like a fraction of a second to react to it. So this was more comedic for me. And I'm going to explain my personal experience with this. So I watched AEW live. You guys know I've chosen AEW as my live show. I watch NXT and replay. Therefore, when I'm watching this NXT, I don't like spoilers, but I have the card in front of me. Just the card of what the matches are, not what the finish or who goes over, just the card. So as Roman Duz is coming out to have this match... My card says Cameron Grimes versus Kushida. <laughs> so I look at the girlfriend and I go, Some, I think something's going to happen. And she goes, why? And I say, because my card says Cameron Grimes versus Kushida. Boom. Like right at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then we both go, oh. Like, the timing couldn't have been better, because as he's at the top of the ramp, I'm like, I think something's going to happen. And it's like, right at the moment where I just got to that point in the card, you know? It was like, no sooner than I realized my card doesn't match, they, they cor- <laughs> it, it, it was corrected. Like, right at the moment, it was like, hmm, my card doesn't match. Boom. Now it does. <laughs> I thought it didn't. Holy shit. That's like the equivalent where you're playing like something like PUBG. It's like, I haven't seen anybody headshot. Better yeah. luck next time. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. 
But yeah, uh, <laughs> Kushida taps out Grimes for the win. So welcome back, Time Splitter. Yeah. Oh god, that was so funny. Yeah, that was too too much. It was like that shit was like Acme cartoon sudden. I know, right? So then we get uh, <laughs> uh then we <laughs> that was awesome. It felt like yeah, a cartoon. Got, uh, really cool Balor promo. Yeah. Well, where Balor kind of made it uh made it clear. He's coming for Adam Cole's NXT championship because he said his his future will be his past. It felt like a cartoon for me. That that just to go back to where I'm one thing just because of the time, just the way right when yeah. that happened. It was like wow. It, 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 it's like the equivalent of like you know what it reminded me of the old uh Wiley Coyote cartoons when he would be chasing them and he'd get to the cliff and he'd run off the cliff and he wouldn't notice until it was too late. Yeah, exactly. At the time you notice it, oh shit! That was what got at me. Six man tag match: Dominic Dijakovic, Keith Lee, there you go, <laughs> and, and Tommaso Ciampa faced the undisputed era. Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish, not here. And the biggest yeah. thing about this, uh, the finish: Keith Lee with that uh, Death Valley jackhammer pins the NXT champion. Yep, and uh. Yeah, there was this weird moment during the match where Kyle, Kyle basically, uh, went for a sweep and, and, uh, I believe Champa jumps and then winds up landing on the back of Kyle's neck. You know? That's what it looked like. That looked nasty. Yeah, you definitely don't want that. Be I don't know if it was a botch or if they were just intentionally being more hardcore than they needed to be. It's kind of hard to but tell. But those surprised me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Finn Balor winds up interfering in this match with a shotgun drop kick. Uh, okay, what five people at once? Yeah, he winds up taking yeah, out the ref. Kicked, uh, Cole into the ref. The ref hit everybody on the top turnbuckle and they fell. Yeah, and then he winds up hitting Champa with the nineteen sixteen. And uh, yeah, then we get Keith Lee. Do you see the way Keith Lee emerged from behind him? Yo, that shit was like a horror movie. <laughs> that was that's an awesome shot, right? <laughs> Him just behind Could that him. just be the screenshot? Like, that might be just the way he emerged from behind him, and then we can use the the, the logo about the fat. What was the the, the the title with the fat that we it was last the week? final fat? Yeah, there we go. There we go. Love, I'm, I'm sold. Already have everything fixed. Even though the two things aren't related, they look related. There you go. I mean, that was you know Keith Lee has been absolutely he has exceeded the expectation of when people first heard he was coming. Like, the man has been absolutely incredible. The fact that they let him pin Adam Cole. I mean, he hit what? Uh, he hit that spirit bomb, that last ride uh, sit out power bomb on, um, on Bowser. Just lit up basically everything moving. But then uh, William Regal comes out and makes it clear that on December 18th, which is basically going to be a big episode of NXT in a couple of weeks, Adam Cole's defending the NXT championship. But he makes a double announcement because this uh, this coming Wednesday, we're going to get a three-way dance between Finn Balor, Tommaso Ciampa, and Keith Lee. The winner faces Cole on the 18th. Yeah, so they're trying to make that 18th. Why is the 18th episode being booked so so strongly? Sure, there's something about that episode where they're booking it like, huge. We already have two title matches set for that one show. What is AEW probably- doing on that week that they're so focused on making it a good episode? That's the question. I don't know that anything really big is going on that I know of with AEW. 
I haven't heard anything, at least. He's I like, mean, every Mark, now and Mark then. Mark Keith Lee pulled up like Jason. <laughs> he did. Yes. Yes. But then again, every now and then, even before AEW showed up, NXT would have these big, like, blockbuster shows that would show up just to come, kind of make up for the fact that takeovers don't show up that often. Yeah, that's true. And this this could yeah, be so one this, of them. This might just be a case of it's one of those shows. Because I've seen times where they've planned out matches two weeks in advance on uh, NXT TVs before. It's good when they do it and it's not live too, right? Oh, exactly. I mean, when it is live, rather, not when it's not live. The fact that we used to get these big shows <laughs> that were not live. And they would do yeah. a special like hour and a half episodes. Like the ones you're talking about, you know? I mean, that's going to be a huge match. Because, I mean, you have Keith Lee, who we've said is, is, like, is nuclear over. You have Tommaso Ciampa, the only NXT champion that was never outright beaten for the championship. And then you have still the record holder for the longest championship run in Finn Balor. Like Adam Cole, I think he is in the most danger he will have ever been in, no matter who wins this match. Because it's three guys who are very capable of beating him. Do you think they would do an upset at this point? (sighs) So originally, I could have seen it. But they have been plugging as of late that uh I think it's February 18th is the next takeover. So I could see them using this this NXT on the 18th to set up at least two title matches for that takeover. To do something to where like you could uh get at least uh, Adam Cole and Shayna Baszler something set for that one. Yeah. Yeah, it could but be good. It, it's a tough one. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising if they did. I mean, Ch- Tommaso Ciampa won his NXT championship on a TV. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And nobody saw it coming, so it, it's it's a tough one. But then it's also kind of wondering, like, who wins that match? Like, that's, ooh. Because any of those options are great. Because Ciampa hasn't had a title shot since he's been back. Balor hasn't had one since he's been back. Well, but, but I mean, but we know Bal has been pretty much kind of chasing one, and Lee has never had an NXT championship match. And I don't think, to my knowledge, I don't think Cole's fought any of these guys one on one. Yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting spot that we're in as far as these uh these guys go. I don't know if they would give it to Balor though. You know what I mean? I mean, at the same time, I didn't think Balor would be coming here to get Ws. I thought he was coming here to put other people over, and it seems like he's getting somewhat of a push. Oh, no. The print, the, this is yeah, this is definitely not that Raw and SmackDown bullshit we saw. That is D Cannon. <laughs> we, got the, we got the Prince back since he's been back in NXT. So, tribute to the truth, Mark, to answer your question, I believe it's going to be. It, I thought it would be this week. It's usually the Christmas week. They usually have what's called WWE week, and it'll be Monday. They'll yeah. have the Raw, Tuesday, they'll have tribute to the troops and uh, some other shit. You know, they do like a special uh, setup. Yeah. If we don't hear about it this week, we know it's already in the can. They've already gone there and taped it, you know? So, uh, yeah. There you go. Overall, yeah. I feel that NXT was better this week. For me personally, I'm, I'm enjoying NXT more currently. They're not taking anything away from AEW. They're still putting on a good enough product. I'm, I'm really enjoying NXT. Uh, and it's funny when I look at the two companies, they're so different that it's almost not fair to compare them aside from the taints, the, the same time slot is the strongest thing they have in common. And I know it's going to be funny to say, but surprisingly, and I didn't expect this, NXT comes off more like the wrestling-focused indie company that's focusing on the good wrestling and the talent and having good matches, something you would expect from Ring of Honor. And AEW is coming off more like Aurora or SmackDown, 
where although there is good wrestling, they're a lot more focused on the storylines and the character development and the angles and the things. If you really look at the coverage that we just did of AEW versus NXT, all of our NXT coverage was about the body of work in the matches, the finishes and the choices and for in regards to what the titles were going to be. Everything we talked about with AEW was about people interfering, making fun of each other, shitting on each other, messing with each other's matches, ambushing each other, you know, playing mind games with each other, interrupting each other. You know what I mean? And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's two different styles. Which is the reason why New Japan said, what is AEW? What are they going to be? They're developing more into an entertainment product than I think they would actually want to admit. And that doesn't mean the wrestling sucks, but there's a lot of entertainment here. You know what I mean? Uh, NXT feels like they're taking themselves very seriously. AEW feels like they're not taking themselves seriously at all. And that doesn't mean they don't have serious moments. Obviously, the Moxley stuff and everything. But they do have their share of straight-up wrestling entertainment in that company and i don't get that vibe from nxt like if i wanted to look at good wrestling just have good matches consistent good matches for two hours it would be nxt right that being said aew is a lot longer than nxt because nxt is taking real commercial breaks aew is not taking real commercial breaks aew was on the air for an hour and 50 minutes that means that only 10 minutes was their actual commercial with no picture in picture. They have a longer show. Yeah. You know, the picture in picture kind of does that, but they have a longer show. The ratings. Yeah, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I'm definitely right there with you. That's why you never really hear me say I enjoyed one more than the other. Cause I've enjoying each show, but for a separate, for separate reasons, which makes it really hard for me to say I enjoy one more than the other. See, and that's the thing. For me, it's easy. Like, I enjoyed NXT. Like, they've been making it easy to enjoy NXT more than AEW. Yeah. You know, I just enjoy it more right now. It's just a really good product. You know, they have a really good balance. And, I mean, I can't blame them. They've been doing this for years. This is established company that already has yeah. their routine. And all they had to do was, was tighten their shit a little bit. It feels like they know the direction that they're going in. And... I hate to say it, but I see a lot more from NXT of what AEW is is claiming that they're going to present. When I look at NXT, I see a company that isn't too worried about what anybody else is doing but themselves. I see a company that's not trying to copy what anybody else is doing, focus on what anyone else is doing, or parody what anybody else is doing. I see a company that's just doing what they think their vision of wrestling should be and allowing whoever agrees with them to jump on board. Whereas with AEW, as much as I like the company and I like the characters and everything, I see a company that's going more with entertainment and shock value and and a, and a bit of hotshot booking as well as several jabs and acknowledgments of the competition. True. So it's weird to hear them say one thing and then have the other company be the one that does it. Because every time you hear anyone from um, from AEW talk about the company, they're like, oh, you know, we're not we're not worried about what WWE does. We're just doing our own thing. We want to be an alternative. We want to be different. It's not about the talent that, you know, and there might be some people who share that sentiment in AEW, but the product as a whole doesn't come off that way. NXT, on the other hand, when I watch NXT, it feels like a self-contained bubble. The only thing happening in the wrestling universe right now is NXT. Aside from during Survivor Series, it feels like this is its own thing. Nothing that's happening anywhere else matters during these two hours because these guys have their own gauntlet to run. I never feel that way with AEW. It's almost gotten to the point where it feels like they can't go a fucking segment without reminding us that they're in competition with WWE. And that doesn't mean that these aren't funny. A lot of the jabs are funny and they're clever and everything. But damn, I find myself thinking about WWE a lot of the time when I'm watching AEW. And when I'm not thinking about WWE, I find myself following storylines and angles, if you will. 
more than I find myself appreciating good wrestling. And then at the end of all of that, the afterthought, the dessert, the biscuit to my Popeyes, it's a few good fucking wrestling wrestling matches, you know? Yeah. Because the Bucks obviously are great. Christopher Daniels, you got good talent there. But that's not what the emphasis of this show is. No different than the Radicals, Back going back to my Attitude Era metaphor. The emphasis was not their technical wrestling. It was covered in Attitude. And those that appreciated it, it was there for. That's what it feels like when I watch AEW. The talent is there for those of you that want to see it. But we're not focusing on that. And it's by their own choice because they've always said this is a joint effort. But they spend a lot more focus on the entertainment than WWE does. And a lot of the time um, to their detriment. Because WWE, by not focusing on the entertainment and just focusing on the kind of product that they want to be, inadvertently is entertaining. They might want to have to figure, the AEW needs to figure who they are and what they want to be, what their vision is that they want to present to their demographic. They can't just continue to uh, say what they're not going to be, how they're not like the competition. So what exactly are you? You know, I, I need a little bit more. At least I know where I stand. When I'm watching NXT, I know exactly what kind of product I'm going to get. I don't feel that way with AEW. And again, this isn't this isn't that the show's bad. I literally don't know what to expect. Now, if we flip that over to the ratings, the ratings speak otherwise. Because according to Showbuzz Daily, AEW pulled in 851,000 viewers versus NXT's 845,000. So they yeah. won by almost nothing. It's almost a tie now. Yeah, they jumped ahead, but it wasn't much of a major jump at all. 6,000. There's a difference of 6,000 viewers here. That is, that is razor thin. It's practically a tie at this point, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's We're in an interesting spot here. Yeah, it's, really, I, I don't, it's never been this close yet. No, but they lost, yeah. a, they lost a round before, you know? Yeah, yeah they, they've lost a couple. Of, both sides have lost. When it comes to some of these weeks, but yeah, this is the closest it's been. Yeah. And, um, they're going to have to do something as far as, uh, they lost people. Both, both, uh, companies lost people in general. You know, there's a missing, there's a lot of missing people who simply didn't return for anything here. And that's the bigger concern to me. Right. You know, I'm going to bring this up on the screen for you guys to take a look at here. Okay. You see that? That's Russellnomics Twitter. I'm going to put that in the social media page for you guys to take a look at. But this is what the last nine weeks of AEW's attendance has looked like. Okay. Again, if you're on iTunes, which most of you are, I haven't forgotten you. You're just going to have to follow along from our social media. Hit that follow. But yeah. So if you're looking at this, right, look what we have here. In the first week, they had 11,500, right? 11,500. Because everybody wanted to see what this was all about. The following week, they only had 6,000. They dropped by by about half, man. Half of the people are gone. Okay, I'm sorry. This is actually, this this, this is probably their live attendance, right? Uh, That's what it looks like. Yeah, it looks like the live crowd. Okay, and then 9,000 going into the following week. Then back to 6,000. Then 5,000. Then 3,600. 4,000. 4,200. Then 6,000 again. They're averaging about... 6,000, 5,000. The 11,000 that was there, it just goes to show that there's a loss of interest. People wanted to be part of that initial show, but that was it. It's going to be hard for them to sustain that. So, very true. You know, there's just some food for thought there about uh, what, you know, where we are with these two companies. And yeah, sure, 6,000. They beat WWE this week by 6,000. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if next week they lose because anyone who watched both products this week, 
if they were choosing, probably next week is going to go to NXT Live. I'm going to stick to AEW Live, but with the knowledge that they're not doing as good as, uh, as, uh, you know, NXT was. Which is why I'm sticking to AEW. It's just, uh, yeah. Yeah. And once again, this isn't us shitting on either company. It's just, it's looking at it from a realistic standpoint. Mm hmm. Exactly. See, so, see, some people will see that and be so quick to jump on the shit on AEW bandwagon, but want to actually take two seconds to analyze what's going on, like, or yeah. vice versa. It's just like, yeah. Did you hear about the TV ad that AEW put up? This I did not hear about. Okay. I'm going to let you see this. I'm going to put this on the screen. Let me see if I can find it here. Okay. Here we go. Wrestling on TNT. Watch Wednesday Night Dynamite at eight or anytime on demand. And the you get the point. Yeah. So for anyone who's just listening to the audio, as in the chat room, what we put on the screen, it says stuff like AW crushes and destroys NXT, like blatantly, just blatantly. Yeah, just, just right out there. Just fuck it, you know. They 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 destroy it, and uh. Yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy when that happened. Meltzer was quoted saying that freaking TV commercial on TNT. What the fuck? That was a bad idea. That was not an AEW idea. So what the words going around is that TNT went into business for themselves uh, and put out that commercial. Kind of like the way Fox is doing the commercials. This was TNT's commercial taking a swing at, uh, I guess, USA because they're attacking NXT. Yeah, I mean, it's not like AEW could really tell them no to an extent. But this tells us something very interesting. It tells us that TNT is on board with AEW being a company that's going to acknowledge its competition and shit on them when necessary. Very true. If you're going to be taking shots at somebody like that, you're going to have to deliver every week. Like You don't want to take shots like that, and then the next thing you know, you get Spike the next week, like no, no, you don't want that. You're sitting there, you're sitting there with egg on your face afterwards. Totally agreed. Well, those are the ratings of the Wednesday Night Wars. Here's hoping. Yeah, let's get back to some news here. So there has been a wave of WWE releases. People see this coming. People are gone. Luke Harper is one of the people that they have finally gotten their claws out of. Right? Yeah. Right? Luke fucking Harper, no longer part of it. There will be no wire. Remember that cool phantom booking that we did a few months ago where it was like inevitably Daniel <laughs> Bryan's going to wind up with Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins because they're fighting against the Fiend and Luke Harper and Rowan and they could just finally give us this and it never happened. That's That just oh, <laughs> sucks. Sucks. They just didn't do anything like all of the things that they could have done. What else is now? <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, and then he wasn't the only one. He, but yeah, it's, I'm happy for him because he did want to go a while ago. And they were just like, oh, but you were injured for like six months. Let's tack that on too. And it's like, oh, well, six months is up. So yeah, you guys see it. I have it on the screen there. WWE has come to terms with the release of Jonathan Huber, Luke Harper. And that is it. He is mm-hmm. out. Audi 500. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it, you ass. <laughs> also, uh, the Ascension has yeah. been released. Finally decided to 
let them go be good somewhere else. <laughs> I would bring a picture of them them up on screen, but I don't think they've been in front of a camera in like the last decade, so it would be too out of date. Oh, God. Yeah. But the Ascension are gone. We're hearing speculation that they also asked for their releases. So, Took them long enough. Yeah. And uh, also Sin Cara, who we previously reported, asked for his release. So those people are all gone from WWE. Dolph Ziggler tweeted saying, cheers to all my brothers who moved on from New York today. It was a pleasure sharing the ring with them. They love the sport, as all of us fans do. And I know they will make exemplary additions to your show or locker room. Can't wait to see what's next. <laughs> Mark says they're a WWE drop. Yeah. I don't think we ever did one for WWE, huh? Oh, for when you leave WWE? Yeah. We, we, we got the TNA one. I don't think we ever did one for WWE, no, which no, is we weird because there was a point where like everybody was getting released. I don't think we ever had one. So Marty Skrull, and I'm putting it on the screen now, he sent out a picture, the selfie he took with Luke Harper that says Villain Enterprises. Is that what it said? Linked it yeah, in the chat could, could you imagine that if he showed up in ROH? So there is a current selfie right there. Villain Enterprises? Who knows? I mean, we've heard the talk of... Are you going to AEW? Yeah, so right. maybe they come together. That could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, we've talked, we always talked about one or the other. We've never explored the possibility of both. I think this picture makes you explore the possibility of both. Yeah, I think that he's it's, it's their loss. Yeah, because, I mean, we've seen before Luke Harper is an absolutely incredible athlete. One of those big men who I've always admired is the fact that he's never afraid of a size. But we've seen the guys do hurricanes, code reds, freaking suicide dives, every, everything under the sun. And WWE really screwed the pooch by not utilizing him like they should have. And then when all this stuff, all this stuff went down, he wanted to leave. They want to tack on six more months. And by the way, but uh, yeah, had to they yeah. all snap that guy right. <laughs> I did a seamless too. It was great. Go to bed. See so you at school in the morning. But um, yeah. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes. I think wherever he does go, that company hit the jackpot by getting him because that's gonna be a name where if you hear Luke Harper showed up in your company, you are gonna get some hype behind you. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Victor of the Ascension put out a tweet of Braveheart going freedom. That's another one. With those two, I mean, their main roster run was garbage virtually the entire time. But these were guys, I don't know if my memory stays me correct. I think they still hold the record for the longest uh, single NXT tag title run. I think I held the title for about a good solid year. And it's like, you could have done so much more with those guys. I'm almost, I'm, I'm, I'm relieved if they finally got out. But they probably they should have been gone a long time ago, because like they were they they hyped them up so much when they first came up when they were ripping through people left and right. The second they got clothes on from hell by bad Bradshaw, everything went to shit. Yeah, you know I never liked those guys though, man. I never thought they were any good. I mean, at least NXT tried with them. Like yeah, they got up on the main roster, and just nobody fucking tried. Like, I feel like they could have been better than they were, but. Zack Ryder tweeted and said, gonna miss these brothers. You gotta be careful because you don't want somebody in the upper thing to go, well, why don't you join them? And that's why, <laughs> that's why his name is, is, is his normal name now. You yeah, never next know. Thing you know, if Zach Ryder get your car, so according to Dave Meltzer, he was saying that, uh, 
all of these superstars have a 90 day no compete clause. So that means that none of them will be able to wrestle until March 8th. So still before mania. Yeah. So that'd be a good time for them to make a name for themselves. You know, and basically he was also he also said that a source told him that another reason why the company is more open to releasing some of the wrestlers that helps them cut down on the salaries while freeing up more money to offer deals to mid and upper card wrestlers who they don't want to leave the company. That's probably why you're seeing Johnny Morrison popping back up. Yeah, they have more money to work with now. You know, you're able to hire more people because you're able to get rid of more people. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, we're also hearing, according to Fightful, um, that cuts are coming to NXT next. They're not going to happen until probably sometime in the first quarter of next year. But there are going to be some cuts that are definitely going to be coming to NXT. So there's going to be even more talent out there. On the other hand, we have Oni Lorcan, who after asking for his release, has tweeted and said, I am pleased to announce that I have agreed to a new multi-year contract agreement with World Wrestling Entertainment, where the re- may the wrestling gods have mercy on your souls. So they came to a deal with him. Not yeah, a release. They, him insane. they came to a fucking deal with him. So as people are getting released, you're already starting to see money circulating around. You know, you have the return of Johnny Morrison. You know what I mean? You have Oni Lorcan getting a bigger contract. You have Lance Storm. Recently, he closed down his Storm Wrestling Academy because he's now working backstage as a producer for WWE. One of the reasons in which they probably did that was they have all this extra money going around from releasing these guys. Yeah. And yeah. actually, uh, Mark makes a good point. Taya Valkyrie, uh, Johnny, Mo- John's, Johnny's wife. What about her? Maybe she might show up too. Oh, uh, maybe. You never know. She'd be an interesting addition to that, that roster. Yeah. We'll see. But yeah, Lance Storm's now back there as a producer. They actually interviewed him. I'm going to actually put that up for you guys and i'm going to link you on social media so that you can see it well, we got our buddy lance storm here first off welcome to one of wwe's newest employees lance storm lance how exciting is it to be back here in wwe actually it's really great to be back it's been a long time and it, it really feels like uh, coming back home and then what is your new role here in wwe um i'm a producer now so mentoring advising uh, letting people pick my brain for the most part, I guess. And then when you look at this new crop of talent that's here, is there anyone that kind of stands out to you that you're most excited to work with? Uh, I like working with everybody, but I, I've been a big fan of Shorty G for a while. Uh, became a fan of his in NXT. He's just so talented. He's one of those guys that's like, man, I, why don't our timelines line up better? I would have loved to have been in, uh, in the ring with him in my prime. So when you say you would you would love to be in the ring with him, are you are you ruling out any future time here in the ring in WWE? Never, never say never. But I I would have liked to have been in my prime when I'm in there with him. Uh, I I don't think I could keep up as well as I used to. But he, there's so many talented people here, and it's just great. A lot of these people I've I've coached on different levels uh, back when I was you know doing guest spots at the PC, or even way back when when developmental was in Louisville and I was teaching guys like. Uh, uh, um, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Lashley. So I've worked a lot with a lot of these people before. So what's it like seeing kind of that evolution of those individuals that you trained here now on the main stage in WWE? It's really rewarding, you know, getting to plant those seeds early and watching them grow, I guess, for an analogy. Uh, it's really rewarding. And it's there's just something about this industry that you fall in love with. And as long, long as someone's doing it great, it's awesome. 
And even just being a small part of that and seeing, seeing it grow is awesome. It's just great. What's it like being back here and, and the individuals you once shared the ring with you're now working alongside uh, in this new role? Well, the thing is, it's, it, even back when I was working in different places, when I was you know way back when I first broke in working in Japan, it's like you separate and cross paths and you just pick up where you left off. So even if it's been 15 years, it's like you saw them 15 minutes ago. So it's just you pick up where you left off, you give them a hug and a handshake, and you're off and rolling. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for your time, Lance, and uh, welcome aboard. Thanks. It's great to be back. Well, good to have you back. Yeah, so, yeah, I've always liked Lance Tom. He's, still, he's one of the first blogs I followed before blogs were even a thing. Yeah. I hate how, like, every time somebody comes back to WWE, are like, oh, there's a rule out in ring return. Don't start that shit. All right. <laughs> the man's back. Just let him be back. <laughs> he said he wish he could have wrestled him in prime. Doesn't mean it's primes now. Stop it. But getting back to our, uh, analytical views here on the releases and where that money is going so you got landstorm you have these uh these renewed contracts these returning superstars you also have uh the performance center is refortifying itself we we every every now and then on this show we have to go into the tryouts and it's ironic we describe all these people that are now being tried out and then within a few months they're all characters they're doing some heavy fortification okay because uh, there was a big performance center tryout. And uh, from what we're seeing, I'm going to name some of these guys. These might even be people you know from the Indies, but they're using their real name here. But you might identify some of you might not. They're Pierre Barquiques. Uh, could be butchering that. Six foot tall, six foot eight, 265 pounder from Belgium with experience as an IFBB bodybuilder and boxing instructor. Uh, Will Brooks, a former Bellator MMA lightweight U- champion with UFC experience who currently competes in Professional Fighters League. Wow, Will Brooks. Holy shit. I remember him from Bellator. Yeah, Jesse, Jesse Bush, a referee with seven years of entering experience from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, Zach Carpinello, a.k.a. Zach Clayton, a six foot three, 245 pound wrestler from New Jersey who appeared on MTV's Jersey Shore as 24. Uh, Anthony Catina of Florida who trained at the New England Pro Wrestling Academy and has competed for independent promotions like Chaotic Wrestling and Booker T's Reality of Wrestling. Six foot five, 290 pound Nigel Cawthon, a four year starter as a defensive lineman for the Hampton University with experience as a decorated high school wrestler in his home state of Virginia. Michael Crandall, a former defensive end for Robert Morris University, the Pittsburgh native competes on the independent scene as Duke Davis. Michael Evans, a 26-year-old athlete from Massachusetts who stands six foot five and weighs 247 pounds, he competed on season one of NBC's Titan Games. Stephen Felger, a referee from Florida who works for the World Wrestling Network family of promotion. WWE Performance Center tryout December 2019. Stephen and Tom Flipolsky, a tag team of brothers from Australia who trained at the PCW Academy and have competed around the world as the Natural Classics. A 24-year-old Stephen Gerald of Illinois who wrestles under the name Stephen Wolf for promotions like Evolve. Clifford Fortune, a 270-pound powerlifter who played Division I football at Norfolk State University. Campbell Cambrell Gomez, a former football player from Adams State University who also holds the shot put and discuss record for discus record for the country of Belize. 
Miles Grooms, a six foot three, 250 pound former college football player at Hampton University with Canadian Football League experience. Nicholas Hampton, aka the Dark Horse, Nick Cutler, an 11 year veteran of the Squared Circle. Anthony Henrier, a wrestler with 13 years of experience. Henry competed against NXT superstar Arturo Ruiz on the WWE Network during Evolve Wrestling's 10th anniversary celebration this past summer. Christopher Hayward, three, a six foot two, 354 pound wrestler who competes under the name Calvin Tankman. Gary Jones of Pennsylvania, 30 years old, helped who has semi-pro football experience and wrestles as Gannon Jones Jr. on the independent circuit. Uh, what else do we have here? Wow, there, there's so many of them. Lauren David Jones of Flint, Michigan, who trained at the House of Truth and competes as Palmer Cruz. He once faced the Brian Kendrick on WWE 205 Live. Matthew Knott, a 300-pound Florida native who trained for the squared circle with WWE Hall of Famers, the Dudley Boys, and Billy Gunn. Ariel Levy, a pro wrestler with three years of experience on the independent scene in his home country of Chile. K- Kazayar Mirzari, a.k.a. King Cash, a five-year veteran of the ring who oversees experience of, of Japan's pro wrestling zero one. Pengi Mali, a six-foot-two, 280-pound Utah native who played college football at UNLV and has spent four years at the ho- as a Hollywood stuntman. Olamide. Una, Unanaki, a 250-pound bodybuilder and powerlifter from Cleveland. Roman Rozell, a 35-year-old retired Green Beret who walked onto the wrestling team as Arizona, at Arizona State University. Brandon and Brent Tate, 27-year-old identical twin from Tennessee. The two have been wrestling for 10 years, most notably at Ring of Honor, where they were known as The Boys. Isaiah Williams. Wait, Ju- wait they, they signed The Boys? Oh, they're doing, they're having tryouts. These are all the tryout oh. people. Oh boy! I, was like, I mean, they'll probably sign. I mean, most of the time we go through these lists, all these people wind up signed. Uh, yeah. Isaiah Williams, a New Jersey native who was a three-year starter as a wide receiver for the University of Maryland, also experienced with six NFL teams. Victoria Andrioli, a graduate of the Creative Pro Wrestling School in New Jersey. Jennifer Michelle Cantu Iglesias, a 23-year-old champion powerlifter from Mexico. Chanis Chase, a seven-time All-American athlete at LSU, where she holds the second-fastest time in school history in the 400-meter hurdles. She also represented Canada in the 2016 Olympics in Rio. Lauren Dodds of London, 21 years old, a competitive bodybuilder with experience in powerlifting. Christine Hartman, an Orlando native who was a three-year start in volleyball at the University of Kentucky. And let's not forget Charlotte came from volleyball. I yeah. believe, right? Was it Charlotte? I want to say it was Charlotte. Yeah. Anriel Howard, a 22-year-old Mississippi native who played basketball and ran track for Texas A&M and, at, and Mississippi and was chosen in this year's WNBA draft. Irina Janjic, a former trainee of Landstorm who has wrestled in Japan for the past seven years competing for promotions like Sendai Girls and Stardom. Rebecca Janjic, Jijian, an independent wrestler from Texas who competes under the name Christy Janes throughout the United States and Mexico. Uh, Cara Lazoskas, an amateur MMA fighter who's also competed in NBC's Titan Games. Alexandra Mozaleski, a 25-year-old bodybuilder who's traveled the United States to hone her craft in the squared circle. She competes under the name Alex Sky. Laney Nations, an MMA fighter with experience in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and catch wrestling. Rachel O'Leary, a black belt in Taekwondo with experience in kickboxing and Muay Thai. Ebony Payne, a Georgia native who's currently a firefighter. Jessica Roden, a 27-year-old athlete from California who started training for her for, for the ring earlier the year. 
Arissa LeBrock, the daughter of of actors Kelly LeBrock and Steven Seagal, a professional model from California with Brazilian jiu-jitsu training. Elaine Simon, an Orlando native with seven years experience in the squared circle. Aja Smith, a 25-year-old who has been competing on the Indies for six years under the name Aja Pereira. So these are all the people that are coming in. Right now, they could probably afford to cut some of the fat and get some of that money circulated to people who they're going to use. As much as they'd like to hold on to everybody and keep everybody from AEW if they really want to continue to build talent. Look at that list. That's a huge, I think that's the biggest trial list I've heard. You know, and they're getting people that are jujitsu, that are, that are you know, mar- known martial artists and shit, former May people. You know, they're not fucking Will around Will's a former Bellator champion and they got him. Yeah. See like, what I mean? That's, wow. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah, that's, a, that's a hell of a class right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. It sure is, man. So this is the reason why you're probably starting to see them cutting people loose. They can't. They're, they're going to have to free some of that money up. Yeah. It's not even something where they want to do. They have to do it at this point with everybody they're bringing in. Yeah, exactly. You got to make it worth their wild ones day. Yeah. So this is the reason for the WWE release wave that you're seeing. I know. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if before we hit the end of the week, you're going to see more releases. I mean, think about how many times we've been on here over the years. And I've said that on a Monday, I've been like, look how many people are released. And by Tuesday, there's way more. We're like, wow, look at how many people they released after Raw. I'm going to get into it, but there were a few people I saw on Raw that I don't normally see on Raw, and I've said on this on here for years, normally when they give somebody like an ass whipping where it's like, we haven't seen you in months, but we're bringing you out just to give you a just-dished ass whipping, it's their, it's your send-off. <laughs> yeah. You know? Anytime you see somebody and they receive that, that farewell ass whipping, it's obvious because the signs are you haven't seen them before this, you haven't seen them in previous pay-per-views, but they brought them out, which would look like specifically to kill them, you know? And so don't be surprised if by the time we go off the air, there's more future endeavors that we're going to talk about next week. Like I said, man, I've been doing this for years. I know the patterns. I know the fucking patterns here. And, and I think we're heading into that territory, you know? Okay. Yep. So we don't do this very often, but let's talk a little bit New Japan. Oh, yeah, because there is a... There's a lot of chaos going on. I mean, new what Wrestle Kingdom's next month? Wrestle Kingdom's next month, and Chris Jericho is going to be facing Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah, the pain maker returns. Yeah. That being said, Jericho, in typical Jericho fashion, decided that he was going to release um, a video package, video promo, if you will, challenging... Uh, Tanahashi. We're going to show that here. They remember that in New Japan, Jericho is still the pain maker. So we're going to put down the screen and we're going to link you guys on social media for this one. Tanahashi! Time's running out, Tanahashi. January 5th is only weeks away. Only weeks away from the Painmaker versus the Ace at the Tokyo Dome. It's going to be one of the greatest matches of your career. It's also going to be the last match of your career.
WWE is ever gonna really be able to come to terms with how badly they fucked up by not clinging on to Jericho. <laughs> I'm so excited for Wrestle Kingdom. As badly as they cling on to everybody else. That's why they're trying to cling on to people. They went haywire. They don't want another Jericho and Moxley situation. Like, that guy is golden, man. I'm so glad they did. You know what? Honestly, he's living proof that if he would have stayed, they would have never gotten all this cool stuff. Is it just me or the way he behaves? Is this kind of like his demon in a sense? Like, you know how, like, Finn Balor, when the war paint goes on, he acts and behaves and moves completely differently? But less corny. And it's funny because in a recent interview, Jericho talked about that. He talked about how WWE, like the Fiend promo, for example, he talked about, like, on SmackDown when Miz was telling Daniel Bryan, you know, you got to think about your family and everything, how it comes off cartoony in a bad way because people just don't talk like that. Yeah. This is more realistic. This was like, this is like a sinister, like, alter ego of Jericho. So do you like the Painmaker? What was your favorite incarnation of Jericho currently, the Painmaker or the AEW version? You know what it is? I, I, I'm kind of torn because he's only brought the Painmaker to AEW, I think, once. And what I like about it is the way they go about it. They treat it like it's this. It, it, it doesn't come off like the demon, where it's like you can almost kind of predict the scenarios when it's going to come out. When Jericho brings this pain maker alter ego out, it seems like it's truly like a situation where it feels necessary. Because every time he's brought it out, he's always talked to the other person and been like, this is going to be your last match. The pain maker comes off like the kill shot for Jericho. Like it's like if it's a situation where he feels like beating you isn't good enough, he has to bring this alter ego out. So I'm kind of torn but it just makes it that much more exciting when the Painmaker does show up. And it's unlike anything I've ever seen Jericho do before. Yeah. For me, I just like the AEW version because it comes off like a top guy. Like, if I didn't know anything about Jericho's history as Lionheart in ECW or Y2J in WWE, his stint in WCW, the list, none of that. I could tune this product on and know that that is the guy. You know what I mean? He comes to the yeah. ring like the guy. He's holding the world championship, his music and everything that he's radiating. You don't need to question who the champion is in this company. You know, and that's what's really cool about it. You know, he looks the feel of a top guy. Yeah. Whereas with the pain maker, you would have to see what he was doing to tell where he was like in the in the rankings of the company. And it's just really another variation. You know, it's like another variation of the AEW Le Champion, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Pretty much. But yeah, like, I'm really glad to see uh, that work out the way that it did, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Wrestle Kingdom's always looking really good, man. I can't keep up with all the New Japan just because they're crazy. I scheduled throughout the week. I tune in here and there to certain matches or certain things I'm interested in. Hopefully I'll be able to do it more as time goes by. But I know we've yeah. been slacking on here with that which will because i know it looks like that's not the only uh match i think has been announced for i believe that same day we're also getting uh the death riders coming back yes absolutely we have uh just in case there's not enough aw for a company that says that they weren't going to work with aw they sure are working with aw because john moxley himself is returning to new japan pro wrestling it's going to be him and Lance Archer for the United States Championship. And God help us, a Texas death match. Mm-hmm. And here's I've seen one of these fucking things. That is going to be horrifying. And here's some of the clip here for you guys to check out. We're going to link you on social media as well. We're getting there. We promise. 
あれ何ですかあれ音楽止まりましたもともとこのベルトを持っていて台風のために来日できなかった、はい、何あっ後ろ後ろ後ろ後ろ後ろそこにいたのかお薬が来たえいやそして同じ高さでリングの中待っている Is this is Moxley's intro, guys? もう全然もう超強敬になってるえーモークスリーが本来そのベルトは俺のベルトモークスリーだ主張するかのようにこの広島クリアリーダーに現れました<笑>いやー世界を制した男がうわうわあそしてなんかこうガラッと変わってこのベルトを取りに来たあの G1 の時はあのいやもうショートタイプだったんですけどまた何かこう危ない感じになって戻ってきましたねちょっと待って何ですかこのモンスター2匹のこの感じ危ないです危ないですあるんですかもう危ない危ないいやもうやる気満々ヒョウケとアメリカンサイコー So he's face to face with a これあの Who's that guy? Right, right. He looks totally different now. Yeah. Ah, and he hits the paradigm shift for a lot of house calls. Oh, two of them. They're in Japan, the Death Rider. Death Rider, right. Moxley was Suzuki Minoru to go and get it. Yeah, but for you guys, you know, they're so good. So, Suzuki Minoru is going to get it. So, what do you want to do? マイクロフォンはどこだと。マイクはどこだ。マイクはどこだ。マイクはどこだ。マイクはどこだ。マイクはどこだ。マイクはどこだ。マイクはどこだ。マイクはどこだ。マイクはどこだ。マイクはどこ
The quote JR, imagine what it's going to be like in the Tokyo Dome. That is nuts. It's becoming an incident. <laughs> oh, goodness. This is a good way to build up what they're planning on doing at Wrestle Kingdom for sure. Oh. Holy shit. So that is what they're what you have to expect at Wrestle Kingdom, guys. Oh, that match is gonna be uncomfortable. Last time I saw a Texas death match, I think it was Chris Harris and James Storm. And I literally watched two men beat the holy shit out of each other pretty much till somebody stopped moving. This is probably going to be at least a thousand times worse. Yeah, no, for sure. This is going to be cool, man. I'm glad that these guys, you see, that's the kind of flexibility they wouldn't have been able to have if they stayed in WWE. Be able to go to Japan and have like do a loop like that with the Japanese talent and then come back. They just can't do things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for God's sakes, Moxley went from talking about having to almost talk about a pooper scooper. Now he's going to be in the Tokyo Dome. So. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> Something else, you know? Yeah, Wrestle Kingdom is going to be crazy. But it always is. It's always it's always that it's at six hours of madness to where you wire the whole six hours almost. Yeah, I'm glad we're back in that time of the year. You know? Oh, yeah. And then, of course, we're going to have that. We're going to have Abushi and Okada finally for the IWGP world title. Mm-hmm. I think this is, I want to say this is Abushi's first Tokyo Dome main event, I want to say. Yeah, definitely possible. Yeah, and then um, one thing I've been seeing lately is uh, Hiromu Tadahashi's finally back. I want to say he's going to be in action as well. Koto Abushi versus Omega never main evented? Or as the, the Golden Lovers as a tag team? They must have main evented something, right? I know they may have vented. I just don't know if they may have vented uh, at the Tokyo Dome. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say in this, because, you know, sometimes they're really specific with the building. I want to say this is Abushi's first time headlining in this building. Very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun Wrestle Kingdom, that's for sure. But it always is, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely is. All right, well, we should probably get into some more of the weeklies. We've done two shows so far. Why not do a third? That We're only doing threes. Yeah. That being said, we got SmackDown that opened with Miz TV, where Miz tells us that he was supposed to have Daniel Bryan in an interview. However, Daniel Bryan is missing. And this is as a result of him getting shaved down last week. Uh, during this, the Firefly Hunt Funhouse interrupts, and Bray talks about how uh, he used to have a family, and it flashes showing Daniel Bryan for the brief time he was with the Wyatts. Bray sort of threatens Miz's family. He threatens to take over Miz's family. And uh, this enrages Miz, which we get to later on. But the first match of the night is Alexa Bliss being accompanied by Nikki Cross against Mandy Rose being accompanied by Sonya Deville. Finish being Twisted Bliss on Mandy Rose. A uh, couple of notable spots. Mandy ripping out Alexa's eyelashes was something that they did here to promote the little that bit of was different. You know, Mandy winds up botching a float over DDT um, on Alexa. It just didn't look good. I don't know if it was Alexa. One of them botched a float over DDT. Someone fucked up. 
Yeah. yeah it, it might even be Mandy because I think the week before uh, she went for that running knee that she does on cross and she missed the knee. Oh, kids. <laughs> Stealing something from Ambrose. <laughs> you stupid. Anyway. <laughs> so backstage, Drake Maverick's approaching Dana Brooke about going out on a date with her um, because Batista got to go and he feels rejected and uh, he wants to know what Batista has that he doesn't. And Elias sings him the answer, a really mean song, which causes uh, Drake to slap Elias. Then he goes to the ring and calls Elias to a fight. Elias comes to the ring and literally slaps him. And uh, yeah. Slap ya. A lot of slapping going on around here. They're in the slapping business. Slap it, slap it, okay. Slap your face. <laughs> Miz is leaving backstairs after speaking to backstage after speaking to Maurice about heading home and telling her to lock the doors where he looks and he sees a room that looks suspicious with a glowing red light in there and he finds a photo of his family. But Bray's photoshopped into it and Miz is gone. And uh, while he's distracted looking at this, he gets ambushed by Bray and taking out, and when he comes to, Bray is gone. After this, we get the SmackDown tag team championship number one contender elimination fatal four-way match try to say that three times fast extravaganza you forgot that part extravaganza expiatidocious <laughs> heavy machinery otis and tucker against mustafa ali and shorty g against the lucha house party grand metallic and lince dorado with Kalisto accompanying them by ringside against the revival dash wilder and scott dawson finish being the shatter machine on shorty g revival go over now new day is on commentary one of the best things about this was when they hit Graves in the face with pancakes on the way out. Oh my God. Um, it never stopped being funny. There's some grievances that I've noticed from watching this match. Some issues that I'm having. Shorty G, right? You can't have a shorty gimmick and not even be the shortest guy in the ring. Right. He was about the same size as everybody else in this match. You notice that he's about the same size as Mustafa Ali. Grand Metallic is smaller than him and so is Lindsay Dorado and Kalisto. The Revival guys are more or less the same guy. They're the same size. Most people are about the size of Shorty G. You can't have a short gimmick and not be short. Like, did WWE even think about this? They they need to legit fire whoever the fuck came up with this if it wasn't him because he's not short enough to be a shorty. They didn't think of this past what's going to happen when he stopped feuding with Corbin. But there are other people shorter than him right there in that match. Once again, it should have just left him Chad fucking Gable and there would have been no problem. No, let's call him Shorty G. I was so distracted watching this match because I just couldn't believe how many people were his size or smaller. He's Nobody not Shorty. Nobody in this match was him. Except for maybe Tucker. I think that was it. He's regular size G. He's normal G. He's, a pro- he's height appropriate G. <laughs> he's average G. How the fuck is he going to be Shorty G and he's not hey. short? Wait a minute. Oh, God. I can't believe it took you just now to hit me. You know what that team's name is, right? What? Ali G. Mustafa Ali and Shorty G. <laughs> or Ali G. It just hit me. I can't believe it took a whole almost week for that to hit me. <laughs> Something is trending. Hashtag Ali G. Oh, God. King in the castle, king in the castle. I have a chair, I have a chair. Oh, go do this, go do this. King in the castle. Oh, dear God. That'll be that double team, king in the castle. King in the castle, there you go. Oh, God, help them if they were coming with a double team. I am on that. Oh, dear God. Ali G. <laughs> I'm almost upset at myself that it took me that long to come up with it. 
That's amazing. <sighs> a short gimmick. A short gimmick with a guy who's not that short. Good job. Excellent. Nice anyway. job, guys. Mm-hmm. Nice job. So <sighs> next, next we have Lacey Evans against who they introduced as a part-time lion tamer, Harley Jones. Or or Haley Jones. Haley Jones is actually Hazel the Ringmaster. She trained with Dr. Tom Pritchard and Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane, at the Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy. So this is actually an experienced woman who knows a way around a ring. But to the WWE, she's just Haley Jones, someone to job out to Lacey Evans' new found face turn push. Finish, of course, is the woman's right. After which Sasha Banks emerges. Lacey winds up punking her out, basically giving her a babyface promo about how she's a Marine and all the shit she can do to her. Then she feints a punch, causing Sasha to get bitched out for the second time, second week in a row. Uh, Lacey makes it to the top of the ramp to be ambushed by Bailey, and then they both wind up beating her up. So the faces, I mean the heels at least at this point, get the upper hand. Main event time, we get Dolph Zig Ziggler for some reason. There was no, there was no promo in the beginning. I don't know if I should be happy or sad that they broke the tradition and pattern of there being something leading into this, but nope, it's just here's Dolph Ziggler fighting Roman Reigns. Finish being Roman going over with the, the spear, but that's not what's important. What's important is afterwards. Oh, um, wow. The porters that are there wind up jumping Roman and beating the hell out of him. I guess they're working for, for Ziggler or, 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 um, or Corbin. Corbin. Corbin and Reigns wind up getting into a fight. Ziggler winds up handcuffing Reigns with Corbin. Uh, well, th- rather, Corbin and Ziggler wind up handcuffing Reigns to the ring post. He sh- well, it's just they handcuffed him and like draped the handcuffs over the ring post so he couldn't get out of him. Right, right. He's Passion of the Rain style, you know. Passion but, um, of the Rain. <laughs> then they pour dog food on him. Yo, the only thing that was missing was Reigns being naked and there being a shame bell. That's the only thing this scene was missing. Shame. Shame. <laughs> He's in his shame suit. Shame. Yes. There you go. <laughs> it's the shame dog, Roman Reigns. I would have preferred if they used hard food just because it's more condescending that they just pour it on him like a box of cereal and it just, you know, rolls all off of him than for them to do this, you know, homoerotic fucking, you know, food pasted all over his body which is how it felt to me you know he's there covered i really i legit looked at this and i and i in my mind i visualized me screenshotting him there pinned that way and photoshopping the browser's logo to the bottom left oh no oh no that might be the graphic oh god oh that is horrible shower me in shame oh Write it down. (laughs) (laughs) What, man? You whispered it. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? (laughs) Oh, dear God. Not that anybody cares anymore, but 205 Live had three matches. We had Angel Garza against Raul Mendoza with Garza going over with the wing clipper. We had Tony Nese against Trent Newman with uh, Tony Nese going over. Uh, with the, with the, uh, I don't even remember what the hell he went over with. Oh, Jesus. It was probably that 450. Yeah. I don't even remember. Probably the 450. And then the Bollywood boys wind up, um, beating up the guy afterwards. I remember that much that he jobs out the guy and then the Bollywood boys beat him up too, just for the hell of it. You get a cruiserweight title defense, Leo Rush against Danny Birch, with the finish being Garza winds up interfering, pushing Rush off the top rope, basement, drop kick to Birch, wing clipper to Rush. Just being a bastard all around. <sighs> well, 
Well, they at least decided to show two or five live this week. So yeah, good for them. And uh, oh what, god, what, what were your thoughts on that SmackDown? It, it was um, I mean, it was all right. I, I didn't feel like I was suffering through it most of the time. So. Yeah, it's, it's at, at this point, as long as I don't see a Randy Lana and Lashley's bullshit, I am satisfied. So mm-hmm. it's like my saving grace. Fucking, it has ruined that that fucking Roman Reigns shot for me forever now. Because two point four hundred forty six million average viewers on Fox, up from last week's two point three hundred twenty five million, up but not by a much, a little over hundred, about one hundred twenty million up from last week. So, um, but they are up. Yeah, moving on up. So, there are the ratings for that, and I guess we should get into Raw because we do still have a poll to do. Get ready if you're in the chat room, hang tight. We're going to be linking you to vote for the pay per view matches. Don't forget, there's a pay per view to Sunday, and we will be in the chat room. This chat room that you're in right now, talkbrunch.com, mixer.com/slash/talkbrunch. Either one will get you there if you've never been here before. We talk in the chat room throughout the pay per view, followed by a post show. That being said, Raw. It opens with the Rusev and Lana divorce. <laughs> Just in case you didn't get enough complaints from us last week about the Rusev and Lana stuff, oh, like the divorce. God. Can somebody divorce me from this angle, please? Like divorce raw, right? They they they, they can keep everything: the kids, the car. I don't give a shit. Just for some reason, Jerry the King Lola is the person they bring out here to oversee this divorce. Because every time there's something involving tits, Jerry has to be there. Like Lana comes out. With her lawyer, and they waste five minutes on lawyer bullshit, where they have to explain to us, the fans, that for this proceeding, the order of protection is lifted. However, all of the other legalities involved in her order remain. So this company that doesn't pay a fucking cent of detail to any of their own details finds the need to tell us the legalities of this order of protection as if people at home, you and I, and fans in the crowd, <laughs> are going to all stop them and go, wait a minute. What about the order of protection? What about the restraining order? How is it possible that he's in the ring? This is fake. The, I mean, yeah, that, that restraining order that has not worked for how many weeks in a row now? The restraining order that the previous fucking week, the cops said, we're just not going to listen to this because we do things <laughs> differently down here. But this week, they need to clarify, just in case anybody's worrying, for those of you following the storyline, we have to let you know that the reason why this is able to happen is because we, like, no one's going into that much detail. You, It's like they, they can't on one hand be like, it's wrestling, guys, don't take it so seriously. And then on the other hand, you wasted that much time just to tell us the legalities of a contract that isn't real? You fucking, ugh. So, <laughs> so there's lawyer bullshit. For some reason, they thought that it would be a good idea to have lawyer bullshit here. Like, if this is law and order. After that, we get Rusev. Comes to the ring. The two of them are arguing over who gets the puppy. During Raw, the opening segment, they're arguing over who gets the puppy. Keep in mind, though, that they're out here to sign divorce papers, right? By the time divorce papers are drawn up, all of that shit is already handled. Who gets the puppy? Who gets the car? Who gets the house? How are you going to be out here with the printed divorce papers now arguing over the puppy? Can we at least remain somewhere within the realm of of, of reality? And if you're not going to remain in the realm of reality, don't fucking tell me that it's wrestling not to take it so seriously. You made me listen to the fucking clauses of an order of protection before we got here. (laughs) Decide what fucking side of the spectrum you're on with these shitty writers. But no, the two of them are arguing over a puppy while they're going to sign divorce papers i would assume that the, the that the puppy is in the fucking divorce paper i feel like every week we get to raw and it's more and more fucking stupid lashley oh. comes out lashley comes out and then he basically says that lana's his and he's gonna ask her to marry her oh, rusev goes to God. sign the papers but lana insists on signing them first lashley and rusev of course brawl 
Lashley winds up eating a Machka kick, and then he puts Lashley through the signing table. You know, <sighs> and then uh, in regards to the Lana thing, our chat room during this was 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 um because we all, for those of you who don't follow, we're in the chat. I'm talking about this. There was discussion going on in our chat room about heat, and Joe Wall mentioned heat is heat. And I have to say, I disagree with that because there's cheap heat, there's X-Pac heat, quoting Vince, there's disgusting heat. There's all kinds of heat that you can get that's not necessarily good heat. I don't think that the Lana thing is heat, like, boo, we want to boo this villain so much as, oh my God, you know, gouge our eyes out, you know? Kill us, please. Put us out of our misery. It's terrible. I can't believe how invested they're. And you know what I think it is? I think these virgin writers just like to make Lana, they like to feed her lines about all the places where she's gotten fucked. They love it because if you ever really listen to these segments, the things that they go on the most about are, are, are the different places and positions Lana's been banged in. That, that overemphasis for a company that was focusing so much on PG, why don't you try to tell these special needs kids about penetration? Like, like, let's clarify something. Lana has get the fuck off my TV screen heat. That's not the heat. There is no heat is heat. There is, there, let's see, there's Xbox heat. There's Sammy Callahan heat. Now we have Lana get off my screen heat. That's the heat you do not want to have. This no, heat, this, this, this is, this is inconvenience on my life heat. It takes a special kind of booking to make someone as hot as her unbearable to look at. That's the time, every, time I see, every time I see her, I want to reach through the screen and choke her. And it's every not her time. fault. She's one of the hottest chicks on the planet. Oh, my God. Stacey said it's you left the baby in the car without the AC on Yeah, there you go. There's a new kind of heat. That's the fucking heat they're giving for this. They don't even know how to do their own storylines. They don't even know how to do their own storylines. Sorry to people dozing off in the chat if I woke you up with my, with my cries of despair. But this is what they're doing to us every Monday. Yeah. You you don't get to pull that heat is heat bullshit here. That's nothing more than a cop out so this angle to keep going. No, this angle needs to die a miserable fucking death yesterday. So Charlie interviews Owens and she asks why the AOP attacked him. And Owens says because the, the AOP clearly attacked him because Seth Rollins told them to. And that they do what Seth Rollins tells them to. And at this point, they're milking it so much that I'm almost convinced that it, that it, maybe Owens is the one who controls the AOP. <laughs> because he's been telling us every time that you've spoken to Owen in the past few weeks and anyone's asked him anything, he's been like, Rollins is planning on jumping me with the AOP. That's been his answer every single time anyone's asked him. Oh, Owen, how do you feel about this? I feel like Rollins is going to jump me with the AOP. Every single time you've asked him anything. And the sad part is I didn't even think that because that's giving them too much credit. Yeah, so uh, he goes to look for the AOP. He walks past Rey Mysterio, and they have like a sup man moment where, you know, he says, you know, I got your back. And then Rey lets him know, and he gives him his pipe. And But Owen says, you know, he's going to deal with himself, so he takes the pipe. Later in the night, he's walk, he's looking for the AOP in the hallway, and he comes across Mojo, who they're about to give their um, the future Endeavor send-off to. And uh, <laughs> Mojo basically goes, oh, they went that way. He points to the left, and he goes, no, they went that way. And he points to the right, and he goes, oh, wait, they went this way. And he crosses his fingers. And Owens does what I would have done, I think, with anybody. He just fucking slaps him. He just looks at him, he, he fucking beat. slaps him. And he goes, now oh, you, I... and he goes, now you went that way. And he points to the way he slapped his face. That's a good <sighs> professional veteran slap. I like that. And that was that fucking Shawn Michaels, Randy Orton slap. There you go. Matt Hardy has a match against Drew McIntyre with the finish being Future Shock DDT into Claymore Kick. His former, uh, well, actually, he's the Burning Hammer for, but I believe at one point the Future Shock DDT was his finisher, right? It's a signature now. Yeah, that, that was his original kick. finisher. Yeah. Before the match even starts, McIntyre comes down the ramp talking shit about Matt's newborn, which, by the way, Matt has a newborn baby. Congrats to Matt. 
He tweeted about it. Stacey Keebler's pregnant with her third. Congrats to her. She tweeted about it. Um, but Matt winds up attacking him and twist fading him before the match even starts going into the match. Nonetheless, Matt Hardy was not good enough for this and he gets buried. This, yeah. I don't know what's happened. Maybe they might be thinking of releasing him. I've heard that they've really implored his brother who's gone because of injury to be clear, not because of his, his issues, but they've implored him during this time to seek help, which he's been adamant about. So we'll see what happens. Street Profits versus Viking Raiders with the finish being the Viking experience. You know? The Viking Raiders be an actual team for once. It's a Christmas miracle. Yeah. And uh, Rollins comes out and he, he says that he has something to take care of, but he calls out the AOP. And uh, he basically lets the baby faces stay in the ring. He's like, you know, if you guys want to stay here for this, you can. But they all look at him like, no, you're clearly a heel. We're all going to leave. You know, Owens comes out accusing Rollins saying, dude, I know that you're going to jump me with the fucking AOP guy. But he swears that he has nothing to do with that. And then the AOP arrive via limo. And Rollins is like, I'm out of here, man. If you don't want to trust me, then that's your issue. Rollins leaves Owens, goes to call out the AOP. In comes Sami Zayn. He explains to Owens that he has managerial license now, therefore giving him the power to go back and forth between Raw and SmackDown. Aha, a new loophole. I knew they wouldn't be able to resist. And for some reason, in this entire promo, I don't know if anybody writing in the back even cared or bothered or, or if it was an oversight. But they were so busy trying to explain why Sami Zayn can go back and forth between Raw and SmackDown and how he has this managerial license and how he's trying to talk to Kevin Owens that they never bothered to explain what the fuck he's doing with Mojo. Nowhere in that did he say, and as a manager, I've taken on Mojo as one of my clients because they don't give a fuck about Mojo. He was only out there for a future Endeavor segment. So nowhere in there did anybody write a line where Sami Zayn explains, therefore you hurt my client. He's never referred to as Sami's client. They never explained what Mojo had to do with anything. We know that Sammy's a manager and can go back and forth between Raw and SmackDown. They never said who he's managing on Raw. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, who are you managing? Just him? You know, so Mojo basically uh says that everybody is tough with a steel pipe in their hands. And it's funny because Sammy's like, you know, don't ever talk to him like that when he has that look in his eyes and he's holding a steel pipe. And Mojo basically isn't really buying it. And then Owens basically says, yeah, you think everybody's tough with a steel pipe in their hands? Let's test that theory. He tosses the pipe up in the air. Mojo catches it. He kicks him, toss, it nails him with a stunner. And then he gives him a pipe-ass weapon. Yo, this was, he fucked him up. This was his future endeavor grooming. This was his future endeavor grooming. He lit him up with that pipe. Yo, that shit. Yo, he, that was a dying, that was a super smash brothers ass whooping. Like yeah. That motherfucker really got hit with everybody's final smash. It was, it was bad. And, uh, <laughs> I know what you guys are thinking. You're thinking, you know, with a pipe, it's easy to do a pipe beating because all you have to do is just work. You, you're hitting them with worked pipe strikes and, uh, Thanks to having those worked pipe strikes, you don't have to worry too much about uh about anything. You know, it's kind of like doing worked punches. You don't hit them stiff. You hit them with uh with regular punches, right? Well, about that. Wow, those those worked welts, man. So if you're looking at the screen, I'll share it on social media. Kevin Owens was really fucking him up with a pipe. So anyone watching him going, man, those are really good worked pipe strikes. There was no working. There he was. <laughs> I see this man's back. He was just hitting that motherfucker with a pipe. Yo, that motherfucker looks like he brought home all these on his report card. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna call this one. Mojo takes a future endeavor beating. Oh my god! As I, F E B. As I share it on on social media, he takes 
F E B. That's what we're gonna call him from now on. Oh, you got an F E B. Oh, okay. See, this is what happens when we don't have a safe word. Yeah, the safe word is good luck on your future endeavors. <laughs> that's too long of a safe word, safe and that's where that's where we got to where we are now. Yeah, exactly. So good luck, man. Good luck laying the pipe down, right, Mark? Yeah, exactly. Oh, he laid that God. pipe down. That's, that's that's when the term laying the pipe just takes it to a whole new level. Put a hurting on that boy. <laughs> I'm gonna beat him like he owed him money. Like. So then we have Tozawa against Alistair Black finish being Black Mask. Um, I did like that nasty jumping knee into Tozawa's uh, suicide headbutt. Looked really good. Yeah, that's one thing he and Buddy Murphy have in common, which is going to make their eventual match really fun, is that sudden jump knee that they can do. Yeah. Very good. Backstage, Zelina Vega interrupts Humberto Carrillo's interview, and Andrade interrupts her to tell Humberto, respecta la muñeca, which is interesting because he's basically saying respect the doll, which I'm sure he's referring to Selena Vega, respecta la muñeca, which he didn't even get a chance to disrespect her. He came out so fast after she started talking that he was just there. But this leads into the match, Humberto versus Andrade, with the finish being miscommunication between Andrade and Selena as Andrade, Selena's on the turnbuckle for distraction. Andrade hitting the ropes, bumps her and gets distracted by her falling, rolled up by Humberto. Um, yeah, aside from that, good match. Nice golden moonsault from Humberto. Looked really solid. Humberto has one of the best moonsaults in WWE right now, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he definitely He's does. damn near going in slow motion when he does it. Like. Mm-hmm. Then we get Zack Ryder against Buddy Murphy. This might be another uh, future endeavor here. Zack Ryder gets jobbed out to Murphy's Law. Kurt Hawkins gets stuck just for existing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Owens winds up attacking a parked vehicle in the back, assuming that's where the AOP is, but they turn out not to be in the vehicle. They ambush him from behind, beating him, and then in the back of the vehicle, hooded, it is unveiled who the culprit was, and this is the worst revelation since it was me, Austin. It was me all along. <laughs> because it was who you fucking thought it was. It was so silly. It was like, of course it's him. And it's only a matter of time, if not this Botchamania, the next one, where they're going to take that and they're going to edit it that way. You're going to see him with his cloak and he's going to unveil and they're going to put Vince there and you're going to go, it was me, Austin. But speaking of that, congratulations, Botchamania. Last episode that just came out, episode 400. Excellent, excellent stuff. So he he comes out and uh they wanna beating up uh Owens and then he takes a curb stomp aka blackout on the concrete backstage. And then he Rollins comes to the ring and gives an angry promo about all the trouble he goes through, how he recovered the title from Brock Lesnar twice for the fans, and they used to see eye to eye with them, but he doesn't see eye to eye to them anymore. And you know, basically his heel promo. He's back to the annoying heel Rollins that has two goons in suits taking orders from him it's like they ran out of shit to do so they went right back to what they had like this is like this isn't the first time we've seen him turn on all of his friends turn his back turn out to be the bad guy and get two goons with suits to accompany him everywhere well this is real original shit right here but you know what the sad part about it is the first two goons were actually good yeah they were compared to these goons it's it's like greater value shield like they just want another rollins three-band group again i just can't believe that this was what it like like i can't people get paid money for this you know, we do this for free. Writing. It is shit writing. <laughs> That's some roles need to be reversed here. Like, yeah, really, guys, really do do a little bit better with Raw, for God's sakes. Ugh, I don't even know what to say anymore. We're we not still even have no th- cry. We still have no crossover anymore. See, that was yeah. 
Becky Lynch decides she's going to have a handicap match against the Kabuki Warriors, despite Charlotte trying to convince her that the two of them should team up despite not liking each other. This leads to Asuka hitting Becky with a steel chair, getting the match thrown out. Then they bring out a table and uh, they beat the hell out of her. She, she winds up, uh, she basically, they wind up, uh, Carrie Sane goes up on the top and does an insane elbow from the top to the outside through the table. Beautiful looking spot. Nasty bump that uh Becky You know what I like about that one? It's not like when you usually see some people do like a diving move through the table. She didn't adjust anything different. No, she didn't adjust she anything at all. She was horizontal with that table when she landed. Yeah. And it looked like earlier in the match, Sane nailed an insane elbow across the top, the upper body, almost Becky's head. But Becky got the knees up and then Kane sold anyway because she was out of position. I could have seen it wrong. I felt like that happened, though. Correct me if I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, I'll go back and look. I don't know. Just something that I thought that I would point out that just looked a little bit funny. Uh, So Charlotte uh winds up going backstage and checking on Becky and basically telling her, how did it go? Well, she's all beat up. And Becky does think she's like, ask her again, how did it go? And then she basically says, all right, you know, you usually admits that you were right, you know, and I'll, I'll accept your help if it means being a man. And Charlotte goes, you know, no, not interested anymore. Now she's playing the bitch and she's walking away to Kabuki Warriors. Predictably, they, uh, beat the hell out of her. They attack her and, uh, you hear them laughing as they leave. And then, we get the two of them backstage in the infirmary, now on separate on separate beds, sitting up, not laying down. And uh basically, they decide, before this even happens, the Kabuki Wars backstage wind up challenging. It should be the other way around, but the champions challenge the challengers to a match at TLC. And then backstage in the infirmary, where there's no TV, somehow Becky and Charlotte have seen this challenge on television. And they decide they want to make it a TLC match. And in this new world we live in, you don't need a commissioner or a GM or nothing. It's just you just say it to each other, and it's true. So the Kabuki Warriors made the match. Becky and Charlotte changed the terms of the match, and I guess we have a match. That's just how it works, right? Fuck it all. We're willing to tell you the details of a divorce and an order of protection, but we can't explain how these people are booking their own matches without a GM. Got it. Wonderful. Rowan is fighting some jobber whose strategy is to grab whatever the hell's in the cage, run to the top of the ramp so that Rowan will chase him in a strategic thing to run back down the ramp in hopes of getting him 10 counted, only to get an 8 count and wind up taking two choke slams and getting his ass kicked. The biggest problem with this bit, Rowan didn't get counted out. They that would have saved the bit for me. Like, they want to keep him looking strong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't right. even attempt to sell that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, one of these days i just hope something goes wrong and they just drop the shit like drop it the whole veil thing comes off just everything just weekend update with the street profits this kind of this funny. is what this this is what we asked for right it was all right funny the one funny thing was where they talked about oscar looking like what what does she eat to spray mist she looks like she ate baby yoda you oh know, shit! That, that was chocolate worthy, but yeah, you know they're using them exactly how you expect them to. At least they're giving them TV time. Yeah. Rey Mysterio versus AJ Styles U.S. title rematch with the finish being very predictable. Aside from there not being an RKO, Orton slides into the ring, making AJ think like the rest of us that it's RKO time, but just winks at him and distracts him. And this short momentarily distraction causes Ray to go over with a small package from the delay. Yeah, and then we flash to Orton on the on the ramp, and then he hit with. That's exactly. These guys are making it by the skin of their teeth. No sooner than the cover happened, 
and the music hit for a split second, the show just completely blinked off the air. They didn't have a second left to spare. They didn't have a single second left to spare from that moment. (laughs) So call me crazy, but maybe if we didn't take the time to, I don't know, fucking explain the order of fucking protection, maybe they got off the air on time. Maybe, right? Maybe maybe we could use a little bit less time. You see what I mean, though, how they don't even think about that? They don't even know how to mismanage time. They don't even know how to properly manage time. It's all just mismanaged and, and just poorly. Like, come on, you're doing a show. You couldn't have thought. There's so much there. That didn't need to be there to make the finish just look a little bit cleaner than you did on your television production. Instead of like, how awkward it was, it's almost like no one wants to put up with them longer than they have to. <laughs> Yo, Ray Mysterio got no celebration. The last thing you see before they just boop was fucking Orton just looking like, hey, shit happens. Actually, no, no, no. He was just sitting there like, hey, shit happens. And it makes you wonder that they that they that they continue it on YouTube that their YouTube t- channel cover That's any of this. Question. I, I I put about as much effort to look as they did with that show. <laughs> I have to look. I'm kind of curious now. Like, did they put a finish to this? Be funny as hell if they didn't, right? I'm telling you, it's it's nice like this where I'm like, man, y'all better be glad fucking AEW isn't on Monday. Yeah, really. Because they would be fucking all of y'all up, like. And even if they did put a finish, I don't know if you guys want me to play it on. As far as I'm concerned, I think they went off the air in the good amount of time that they needed to go off the air in. Yeah, Ray won the match. That's all we need to know. <laughs> Unbelievable. What What were your thoughts on this Raw? It, it happened. <laughs> Let's be at this point. The Mojo when 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 Mojo Raleigh being a part of the segment is the highlight of the show for me. I tell you, no, it was a it, it was an experience. Yeah, no, it really was. I think. Um, uh, well, hey, I mean, at least there's Wrestle Kingdom next month. Yeah, at least. I'm looking, I'm sorry, I'm quiet. I'm looking on the page here to see if they actually did do anything um, I afterwards. Would be they didn't. No, they, did, they really didn't. They couldn't be fucking not. bothered, you know what I mean? Like, they're like, what are you, be glad that we're even here, you know? We'd rather waste time on things that don't even matter than to worry about the things that do. You know, signs <laughs> of a true veteran company here. Unbelievable. Jesus and you know Christ, what? We get out the air on, on time, sometimes early. Y'all fuckers cut it by the skin of your teeth. Yeah. Well, it can't be helped, man. You know, that's what happens when they feel themselves too much. I'm glad that they don't have that run over anymore that USA used to allow them. Will you be sitting oh, here at like 1120 wondering if anybody's going to fucking turn them off? <laughs> you know? <laughs> now we don't have to hesitate. <laughs> it's like, if you're not done, don't worry. USA is. <laughs> Just think about that. Imagine had they just had that second, that finish go just a little bit longer. We have got to, and one, and two, and... Th- <laughs> that would have been great. It would have went up there like that time, <laughs> like that time night WCW fucked up on the pay-per-view. Oh, my God. Like, the funny thing is, like, and I was thinking about that because I remember when uh, All In happened, we kind of gave AEW a little bit of shit for that. At least that was a case of, like, that's their first show. Raw has been around... How long? They can't get out, and they almost it, can't get out on time. Dude, if it was up to them right now, while you and me are talking, Ray would still be in the ring, and you'd be hearing "Booyaka, Booyaka, six one nine, Epato Cabron de San Diego." Nobody be in the fucking stands, and they still be going. Yeah, you know what I mean. They 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 don't know when to leave. But there is one backstage thing here. It's the old. It's the OC. Let's see what the hell the OC is saying or doing. AJ, it appeared you were well on your way to becoming United States champion tonight, but Randy Orton... Randy Orton! 
Again! Why? Why? He ruins people's lives. He's a life ruiner. How many lives is he going to ruin? How many? He's a terrible human being. He's a life ruiner. He's an awful human being. He He's got people lives. fired from WWE before, oh, guys. Sure, I bet he He's has. done Tons that. Of them. Yes. He's a terrible person. Yeah. Always has been. Yeah. He steals from the homeless. Yeah, he does. He doesn't celebrate Christmas either. He hates it. All holidays. His name. Yeah, you know what's worse? What? He hates Valentine's Day, too. What? Yeah. I can't talk about it. Make believe holiday. Fuck off. Oh, these guys. Motherfucker said he hates Christmas. I love me trying to get him kid heat. That is amazing. That's all that they posted in regards to our to freaking the end of Raw. There you go. That is the weeklies, guys. That is a, that's Yay. the weeklies right there. And that brings us to the voting poll that we're going to be putting on here. Once again, I'm going to remind you guys that after you're done voting, if any of the matches are added, you can recheck the poll throughout the week. And uh just go back to it and just vote on the matches that you missed and hit submit and leave the rest blank and it'll sort itself. Don't worry about it. So. Yeah. You could visit them with us tonight and then you can go back when matches are added and we'll put timestamps. We'll put the new matches on the top of the pulse. When you go back and check, it'll have a timestamp next to the new matches added and you'll know yeah, what so happens. Definitely check in regularly just to see. Yeah. Let me just get this up. But yeah, we, it's been, what has it been? Has it even been four weeks since the last freaking pay-per-view? Oh, somewhere around that, maybe. I barely think. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, takeover. It's only been like a couple of weeks since Survivor Series. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So our years just happened. You see what I mean? Lord. Yeah. They couldn't wait. This is just a filler pay per view. That's what we're Tables, liars, and filler. Yeah. <laughs> That's that. Write it down. You never know. Oh, fuck it. Tables, liars, and filler. That's more or less what it is. All right. I'm going to link you guys in the chat room. This is the poll right here. You guys can click on it. Also, if you're following on demand, it's already on the website. Go to talkbrunch.com. The top TLC bar that you see up there the tlc icon you can click that or if you scroll a little bit down there's also the embedded version on the site itself it's on social media it's on twitter as of now so if you're listening to this on the man or if you can't click the link at the chat because of the device you're using just go ahead straight to the dot com website and there is the this card right there that being said ww is in the habit of booking at the last minute so i can no longer make these polls based on what the card is i can only make these polls based on my experience and what i think the card will be by sunday so we're going to start off with rumored slash speculated matches. Gallows and Anderson facing the Viking Raiders for the titles. I think Raiders are going to win this because how else are you going to have your tag team champ- champions versus jobbers match every week? Assuming it happens, it might it might be. Again, we'll come here and correct it. You don't have to vote on these again. If you vote on these matches and they turn out to be actual matches, that, that'll count in the votes. Assuming that happens, I'm with you, Viking Raiders. Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens. That wasn't made official, was it? No, but it looks like that's where they're going. And I mean, Rollins just got his new botch and botch security. So, I mean, he's probably going to win this. So. Here's the sad state of this company. Their top babyface turned heel and revealed himself on a vi- as a villain on an angle that they spent half the night building up. Not even to have anything going into Sunday set up for it. That's amazing. So all I can do is speculate that if there's any common sense in the world, Seth Rollins will fight Kevin Owens. But what a shame. The two guys that actually have heat, that have a feud going on. We don't know if it'll be a table match, a ladder match, a chair match, it a hardcore won't. match. We what don't was it know. last year they had like, what, one TLC match the whole night? Yeah. So we don't even know if they're going to have a match. But what a shame that the focus of the night, the go home Raw show, was for what was with this. And there's not even a match book there. But 
if the match does happen, I'd have to give it to Seth Rollins. Yeah, he, he got his own little garbage security details. I mean, hey. Exactly. AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. This is another speculation on my part. The reason that I think this is because of the way they went off the air. Randy Orton interfered in AJ Styles, cost him his rematch on the U.S. title. By the way, you're not even supposed to have rematches anymore, but we have them anyway. Yeah, I, oh, I knew that was going. I knew they were not going to live up to that at all. Yeah, so we have the rematch. Now, it would make sense for AJ Styles versus Randy Orton to be a match at TLC, but it would also make sense since they've been building this feud up for several weeks now, if before they went off the air. It was announced that this Sunday, on the pay-per-view that we're trying to sell on the WWE Network, here's a match for you guys to look forward to. But they didn't. So the only speculation we have is, once again, us. Yeah. That this might happen. It may or may not. Some of these might be real. Who knows, right? I love this company. I love it. And Um, I'll probably be Randy Orton. Who do you think is going over? AJ Orton? Uh, I think Orton's probably going over. Orton going over. I'll go with you there on this maybe match. Finally. Assuming that maybe the... Oh, the rest of the OC is worn out from the possible match with maybe the Viking Raiders. Finally, we get to some confirmed matches. Imagine that, right? They confirmed some matches. Holy crap. Oh, boy. You shit me. You sure? I'm sure. I think so, at least. No. I would go into the legalities of card subject to change, but I would have to spend five minutes on here, and then I'd have to cut the show off before we finish the outro. Okay, man. Yeah. You gotta make compromises. TLC Women's Tag Team Championship, like we spoke about on Raw. The girls made this all by themselves. The Kabuki Warriors made it a title match. Becky and Charlotte made it a TLC title match. So, who do you see going over here? Do you see the Kabuki Warriors retaining or Becky and Charlotte going over? Interestingly enough, I have to go Kabuki Warriors because think about it. This pay-per-view last year, three out of these four girls were in the same match and Asuka walked away the winner. I see where you're coming from there. Oscar knows Oscar knows how to beat these two in this match. So you think the only difference is they're not fighting each other this time. So you think the Kabuki Warriors retain? I could see it. Hmm. I think I'm gonna go with an upset here, Charlotte and Becky. You think Becky become Becky two time and get Becky Becky two belts again? So For a while and then they feud with these guys more. Yeah, I could see it. Let's see what happens. Rusev versus Bobby Lashley was decided at the last minute, right? Yeah, and I vote the winner's going to be everybody who takes a pee break. Yeah, I think so, too. I think this is going to be, this This hasn't been any type of stipulation match, right? No, nah, no. Nah. I think that it'll end in a DQ, no contest. There'll be some sort of chaos or something that'll have the match thrown out. They don't have any direction to go with this. They don't want to put anybody over, so DQ, no contest. Yeah, for sure. Alistair no, Black. This, yeah, this one's going to be fun. Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy. I would give this one to Buddy. He needs the win more. Alistair Black's a pretty established talent. He has he rarely loses ever since he's come up. But Murphy hasn't had that big win yet since he's been on the main roster. Right. Um It's crazy because it's an even match and stylistically these two are picture perfect. I think they're really pushing Alistair Black here though. Yeah, you think so? Because I mean he only shows up like once every a couple of months. Yeah, I think they're pushing him. I mean, they they did the whole thing with, wasn't it Buddy Murphy was knocking on his door? Yeah. You know, and then that whole thing happened. Yeah, I think this is just, uh, I don't think that, I, I mean, I really don't know. I don't feel like either one of these guys is getting like a, a push per se. I feel like if anybody would have to, it would be Murphy just because like, but then again, I guess it, uh, you can almost kind of spin it both ways. Okay. Uh, I feel like I got to go for the Aussie on this one. Okay. 
We'll see what happens there. I'm going with black. For sure. Okay, SmackDown Tag Team Championship. You got the New Day defending against the Revival. The Here's the question. Do the Revival want to leave? The, we're hearing that they were that speculation. You never know with WWE that the reason that they made the revival be in a title match was to fuck with them in regards to the fact that they asked for their releases. But no, we can't give it to you because you got a title match. Who do you see going over here? Oh, of course, the New Day, the one that gets tag titles because they're actually a good tag team, not because they want they don't want them to leave. Yeah, I'm going with New Day as well here. Then we get a, a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Roman Reigns versus King Corbin. Um, I got to go. I, with, I, go ahead. Yeah, I feel like I almost got to go Roman on this one. Because of the dog food, right? Yeah. something to. We've seen what happens when Roman snaps. Yeah. I mean, he, he damn near killed Triple H when uh, he cost him that match, against, that TLC match against Sheamus. And, like, the man's gotten covered in dog food, and now he's going to have weapons. <laughs> I mean, for God's sake, he flipped a commentary table onto Bobby Roode. At that point, I mean... <laughs> yeah, at that point, it's time to uh, to face facts here, huh? Yeah. We're about to have... Uh, we, we're <laughs> we're going to have to have... Re- re- from rename him King Stark. Yeah, pretty much. And then finally, at the end of it all, we have Bray Wyatt versus... The Miz. Yeah, not The Fiend, actually. This is going to be the first time The Fiend isn't going to be the one competing from what it's looking like. Are we sure that they didn't just put that graphic there for the hell of it? It's going to be Bray Wyatt, like as the sweater-wearing Bray Wyatt, going to come on have a match? They've been putting it as The Fiend every other time, so the fact that they put it at Bray would be really dumb for them to just have The Fiend come out again. Yeah. And then The Fiend, and then Bray directly attacked The Miz, not The Fiend, so... Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's a very specific detail because every time they've gone out of their way to make sure you know, like, hey, it's the Fiend versus so and so. So the yeah. fact that it's Bray Wyatt, it looks like the Fiend is in a sense not competing this time around, mainly because it seems like it's almost not Daniel Bryan. But then at the same time, they could use that as the part of the story because we don't know where Daniel's at. Maybe he's somewhere with the Fiend. Yeah, but this is another way of showing how little they actually care about this pay-per-view. Your main event is Bray Wyatt, your top heel, not in his heel form, not for the title, against The Miz, who is not in the feud. Yeah, that's right. It's not even for the championship. I'm going to say DQ, no contest. This gets thrown out somehow. Something happens. Who knows what? Daniel turns heel. Miz turns heel. Someone turns. It just, the, the fiend does some weird shit. Someone gets pulled on the ground or shaved or hung. Who knows? This isn't going to end. It doesn't make any sense for one person to go over the other. So it's just going to be just that it happens. You know, I think it just be, it's all going to get thrown out. I think. Oh, I can't. All I know is that mercifully it will be over. <laughs> I would, I would, I would allow everyone to keep some credibility here if I was booking this, and I would make it where the Miz wins against Bray Wyatt clean, and then somehow right after the pen, the lights cut out and come back on, and the demon attacks Miz and takes him out. So Miz keeps his credibility of being strong, winning the main event, beating Bray. Bray keeps his credibility where he wasn't the demon at the time. He transforms and I beats him, and they go off the air, and it continues for Daniel Bryan. Made me make the Miz disappear for a few weeks. Make Daniel feel guilty about the shit. Not taking his warning, and that leads into, uh, I don't know, what's the next, is the next pay-per-view Royal Rumble after this? Uh, I think so. Holy crap, we're already at the Rumble, so that means it's not going to be a pay-per-view for about five weeks. 
four or five weeks, maybe, depending on when the Rumble's position. But yeah, so, you know, that leaves him strong into the, into the next season. We'll see though. We'll see. But anyway, those are my, those are my predictions. Um, you guys can check yourselves. You can hit that. We're taking as much of a guess as they're giving us. What do you think on the break? Do you think it's going to be a winner or anything? Uh, I mean, I don't even, I don't think the match is going to, I don't think it's going to end where it's like somebody's going to win or lose. It's going to be something that's going to happen. It's just weird that after all these times, and now we have just Bray competing again. Like, and then the Miz just getting completely out of nowhere. So I don't know. It, it's so confusing. Tell me about it. I'll tell you something right now. At this point, I'd be okay charging $60 for a car that would actually put the fucking together. All right. Well, like I said, I hit finish here. Same here. The votes are in. Ready to win. Get some dindy. And, and again, guys, uh, you know. Go to the website, vote. Your votes do count, and it does help us get a clean view of our community, even if you're not someone who comes into the chat room. I know not many people. We have our beloved people in the chat room who are here, nocturnal like we are. I know the majority of you are not going to be up on a Monday, going into Tuesday at 3 in the morning. But get a chance. Go to the website. Click the links. We do our best to keep everything in access so everyone can be involved. Um, our core community knows that better than anyone. Exactly. Yeah. And... uh. I think that's that's all we're gonna do. Is I'm not gonna say that that's it because there's plenty more going on, you know. But again, we're not gonna have time right here to cover everything. I try my best to cover yeah. most of the stuff. If any stories didn't come up, it's simply because of the fact that there wasn't enough time to go over everything. You exactly. Know? Yeah, you get three. And I mean, I think more than I enough, think the I think. only real PSA here is uh, if you have not been watching the Harley Quinn cartoon, watch it. Yeah, very good stuff. Watch that. Watch her. <laughs> Watch his dark materials, you know, there's lots, there's lots of good stuff going on. Hell, watch Mrs. Fletcher. That was pretty good. I finished the whole season. You know, watch okay. whatever, whatever's out there. You know, lots of st- good stuff. We'll go into more of that when there's more time and we're not in such a wrestling boom. Okay? Yeah. All right. That being said, thank you to everyone who has hung out with us for this entire wonderful episode. Thank you to all of you people who've been in the chat throughout Raw and Beyond. Kula Ice and Stasis Dreams, Joe Woko. Willie V2, Emang, Six Slayer, Mark 710, Holy Ranger 765, Chicago 2K11, Black Piranha 147, Geekmaster 8613, Cashian, Rogue Squire 8100, Schoolie World, Spartan Jesus 92, All Time Great 364, Defeated Sleet 44, Welcome to Being Banned, and Thanos Snapped, Legendary Tarver, Marco Harp, and Freak 539. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 355, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, a.k.a. Captain Brunch. For myself and Destin, we are out of here. And we will see you guys for the TLC paper.